0: Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast, and I'm your host, Brendan O'Neill. I'm a Canadian expat living in Phuket, Thailand, and Fruiting Body is a medicinal mushroom company. Our intentions of this podcast is to connect with people living on the island and share their stories with you. This is episode 19 with Dr. Thomas Lodi, uh dr thomas lodi is from america uh he's quite a famous uh expert on the island of phuket he's been working at life co um his background is more as a an expert oncologist so let's make a long story short and just quickly explain um a little bit about your background and what you do and how you got to phuket
1: okay um yeah uh so my background: I'm a medical doctor. Before I was a medical doctor, I was a psychologist, clinical psychologist. Um, and before that, I lived in India for a couple of years and, you know, studied spirit, different spiritual practices. Anyway, so I went into uh, became, uh, did medical training, formal medical training, and uh, did my um, actually this. And this is relevant to what you were saying before when you introduced me. Um, I did my. Um, Residency in internal medicine, um, and then I was, uh, and then I began my fellowship in oncology. And within a few months, I quit because I couldn't, I couldn't watch what we did to people. I couldn't watch people. I mean, I'd see someone walk in the door, and this is during your education. Yeah, um, after medical school, after you, medicals, you you go into internship and residency. Yeah. When you complete your residency, you know which is makes you a specialist in something, right? Um, So mine was internal medicine, which is the most foundational, detailed. And then there's a subspecialty of internal medicine, cardiology, nephrology, oncology. There's many of them, right? They're all subspecialties. So I was going to do the subspecialty of oncology, but I couldn't hurt people the way we were hurting them. So I left it and I just kept my credentials as an internal medicine doc and ICU doc. I did a lot of ICU work. After about 10 years, I quit became a um, and, and went around the world, studied.
0: And one second, let's just push this in a bit. I think it down up and about there. That's perfect.
1: Yeah. Then I, 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 just, perfect. I went around the world and uh, studied all different um, um, non-conventional um, protocols and, and, and ways of thinking and all that. And then I finally wound up back in New York around the, uh, around the year 2000 and started doing this. So... Uh, and then I went to Arizona and started uh, an Oasis of Healing, which is still around. It's been there 17 years now. It's uh, pr- one of the first integrative oncology centers in the world. Um, and um, so I came here nine, ten years ago, nine or ten years ago, for two reasons. Um, one, as I love Thailand, and number two, is I hate America. So. You put those together, it works out pretty nice. It's an easy decision. So uh, anyway, that's, but more than that, I just realized that um, when I had been in India, I knew that I went to India because I didn't like the Western world. I didn't like, there were none of the roles in the Western world that I wanted to emulate. And so I came back to America just to learn a trade and then I was going to get out. It took me 45 years to get
0: out. But when you were going, uh, so I also read you were, You went to Japan as well. You went to India. Was this your attempt to, to learn, uh, ho- would the terminology besides integrative approach be uh, like a holistic healing? Mm. And I think that that term is, especially to the general public until I've done my research, it gets a very hippy dippy connotation attached to it, but the reality of of it itself, it's essentially you're taking all um, uh, would you, would you say like facets of, of healing and applying them into a single concept, such as Ayurveda you're using uh, and and, uh, and so on and so. Yeah, on. yeah. Um, it, Now right. the question was was your intention to go to India just to kind of take a break and escape, or to try to find different approaches to healing?
1: No, when I first went to India, I was 19, so it was before uh, uh, I dropped out of college. I was at UCLA, I dropped out of college, went to India, one-way ticket. I wanted to be uh, a monk, Uh, live on an ashram. I had no intention of coming back. I wound up back um, and then went into psychology, et cetera. But after practicing medicine for 10 years, and I quit, and then I went around the world. I went to Japan, Mexico, Europe, uh, and all over the U.S., and I studied and apprenticed with people. And what I was doing was looking at what, what, what I would call, uh, traditional medicine. What they practice today is what is, is conventional medicine. It's not traditional. Traditional is chief rolling thunder. Traditional is traditional Chinese medicine. Tradition, by tradition means generations and generations. This current mode of practice didn't come about until, uh, there was a guy named Abraham Flexner who was hired by the, um, Rockefellers in uh, to to produce a report in 1910 1911 called the Flexner Report, which forever changed medical education. So this whole allopathic model of drugs, cutting, and radiation started then. And they knew they know if you educate that if you want to get if you want to like you don't have to go in and and, and uh, uh, have a have a physical war with the country. Mm. You just need to go in and educate their youth.
0: What was the, the agenda or the motive for them to change from traditional medicines into this allopath, it's al- a- allo. allopathic type of uh, school of thought?
1: Well, because the allopathic is um, it's based on a paradigm of the disease paradigm. It, it's all money and control. Okay, so the, it's a disease paradigm, right? So the disease paradigm says that there are these entities called diseases that will get into you. And you got to get rid of them, mm-hmm. so it's it's very much like jungle medicine. You know, you, you you got possessed. You got to go to the shaman. They give you the magic potion, and you get better, right? Instead of what we knew before that, because there were some of the greatest physicians ever between 1850 and 1920, and then there were some other great ones too. But um, that I that I studied. I've read all of them. But anyway, uh, and to understand that what 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 we call disease is the body adapting to a situation where our biological needs are not being met. Mm-hmm. So, if we're not eating human food, if we're eating processed food with high carbohydrates and all that, our, our the fluid around our cells is going to be full of glucose, and our cells have the wisdom of God, the wisdom of nature, however you want to look at it, and uh, to protect themselves, because glucose will kill them, they become insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. That's a protective, adaptive response. We call that a disease. So he's got diabetes.
0: When this all came together, like uh, again, we're talking 1910. Was this like a con- conglomerate of the 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 medical industry of uh, the medical industry itself, and possibly like the, these uh, the salt and sugar industries? Did they all come together to work together, or did that kind of just happen by magic?
1: You know, it was it was the Rockefellers, and basically, it was a way to um, you know they have a grand plan. They had a grand plan when it's it's about. And you got to realize he was funded years ago. He was funded by a, a, a Napoleon days, no? He was funded by the Rothschilds. Which Rothschilds was in the Napoleon days? Napoleon Rockefellers days, yeah. kicked in around eighteen eighties. Yeah. Okay, but he was eighteen sixty, whatever it was. John D. Rockefeller. But they were funded by. So was Morgan, you know? They were all funded by the Rothschilds. But anyway, mm-hmm. the goal, the idea was control. And anyway, and what what they realized right around that time. Was that they could produce drugs that were made out of petroleum, and he had oil, Rockefeller Standard Oil, he had oil, and that oil. So it was it was a it was a way to produce money. So instead of understanding that people um, are are because bec- bec- their bodies adapt, and these adaptations um, make them uh, d- less functional, and that the only thing they need to do is get back to living a healthy life, and and living you know getting fresh air, getting sleep, getting you know all the things, that, eating real food all that stuff and their body no longer needs to adapt and they're restored to health. So instead of having that paradigm reign Mm -hmm. supreme, they had a paradigm where you have millions of diseases, you therefore have millions of causes and you therefore have millions of treatments and all of these treatments will be sold. So it it turned into a, it was a business. So that's the allopathic business.
0: Was this a complete paradigm shift? Would that be a milestone when everything changed around 1910? Mm -hmm. And the question is like prior to that, what was the typical school of thought for you know curing a disease or, or making people you know if you, if you had an illness what was the the treatment? Well, probably there there were several
1: schools: homeopathy, naturopathy, um, and uh, homeopathy, naturopathy, and uh, and then other than that, just traditional um, botanical medicines. And stuff like I, I, that. Ayurveda, well, Ayurveda, Ayurveda, Ayurveda was India. Okay, right? so the, then okay, you had, no, the you're talking more on wet, talking the on Western,
0: world. Western world. Western world, Western world, right? Yeah.
1: But, but homeopathy and naturopathy and chiropractics was a big deal. Those were, and they were split. It was probably a four way split with allopathy there. The allopaths were the druggists, they were the druggists, the apothecary. And they were in there mm. making their drugs, right? But at
0: this point, it's still natural medicine. I mean, there's not, there weren't a lot there of chemicals. There weren't synthetics. There, there were no synthetics, synthetics. to right. work with, right? Right.
1: Then. So they were using opiates and they were using cocaine. Yeah. They were using things like that in those days. Uh, and they put it in everything. Because you'll feel better no matter what, yeah. you know. And the, the interesting, th- interesting thing about opiate, opiates, is that you can go into some of the um, ancient, uh, not the ancient, but it, um, uh, back in those days, and probably even today, you go into the opium dens where you'll find a hundred and ten year old guy sitting there on opium. It's protective. Now he doesn't remember the last ninety years. You know, so what's the use of living? But the point is, it is physiologically protective. So they would put it in everything, and uh, and then also cocaine too. You know, Sigmund Freud, who was very well known, was a cocaine addict. In fact, he mm-hmm. injected it. And so, you know, in those days, those it was those kinds of drugs.
0: But those drugs were they were they solving the problem? Or were they kind of just still a band aid to the allopathic?
1: Yeah, allopathy just makes just puts a uh, a, a band aid on, on the wound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the way. Um, the way uh, 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 a good metaphor is that you're driving in your car and you're out, you've, you, you've left the city and you're driving in your car and uh, uh, all of a sudden a red light comes blinking on, mm-hmm. right? So you reach in your glove compartment, you grab a hammer, you smash the light and you go back to driving. All right, so You got rid of the light. What happens down the road? Now down the road, you're going to have a problem you can't fix. And that's what allopathy is all about. Allopathy is blocking the symptom. And the symptom is a signal by your body to you to stop or check this out. You know, pain means, it's real clear, stop. Yeah, you know, Pain is real clear. So anyway, that, anyway, so they've disconnected us from it. But also understand something about the world. In 1910 also, 1911 was um, the um, Jekyll Island affair. Okay. And I don't know if people are aware of that. But no, I'm not aware of that. You read a book called Creature at Jekyll, Jekyll, Jekyll Island, and that's where Morgan, Rockefeller, and a whole group of people uh, met. Th- this is the
0: island. It's off, like, kind of northeastern. North Carolina, yeah. Yeah,
1: right. yeah, yeah. And they met, and they came up with, because what they had tried to do was to bring a central bank into the U.S. Uh, since Washington. I yep. mean, they tried. They came and went, came and went. You know, Abraham Lincoln tried to go against it, and, right? So, yep. uh, anyway... So in 1910 or at, at, at the Jekyll Island meeting they had a conc- they concluded that okay well look at we, we, we can no longer tell them what we're doing. So let's call it federal. And so they mm-hmm. came with the Federal Reserve Act. they brought uh, Woodrow Wilson out of uh, I mean uh, they, they, they wanted to bring Woodrow Wilson in because they knew he would sign it into law. So they brought Teddy Roosevelt out of retirement to run as a third party to split it so that he could that Woodrow Wilson would get in because they knew it would be close and mm-hmm. indeed they were correct. And that was it. So that's what happened. And then from then on, everything was easy because now you have a central bank. Now you can control the cash, and that was it. If anyone would like to really get a good understanding of this, mm. there's a documentary you can find online called Money Masters. Yep. excellent. Have you ever seen it?
0: No, I haven't. Did but I've, I've seen. I've been down those rabbit holes on many different types.
1: Very good. It's very good.
0: And I think, like for any of our listeners out there, um, these terms have been tossed around from my experience, at least the past 10 years, and you get called a conspiracy theorist and a lunatic and a kook. I mean, you can share these. If you try to share these stories and I'm a hundred percent on your side, cause I've read them and I understand them. Um, but when you try to bring these stories back to the U S or Canada, uh, my, my relatives or parents or friends, they, they give you kind of a, a stern look like, what the hell are you talking? Are you
1: about? old enough to remember phone books? Yep. Okay. Yep. So you remember in phone books, um, you'd have, um, uh, in the fr- in the front uh, the front part they'd have the white section that was uh, government governmental agencies right yeah the white pages yeah yeah, yeah. and then then they would have a uh, retail sales. The Federal Reserve was not in the government. It came in right after Federal Express. It was a retail. It's a private consortium. It's not a governmental agency. Mm. So I mean, there's no. It's not a conspiracy. It's just the way it is. It's it's a it's it's a private consortium of. Of bankers and who are those? Who are those bankers? Now imagine, imagine, the Constitution in the U.S. said that only Congress will have the right to print money. So that's what this did. It took that away. It subverted that entire idea. So now, now the Congress, I guess, prints the money, gives it to the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve then loans it to the banks, and they give it what's called the prime interest so they control the money flow but it's a private consortium that's the whole thing and it
0: still is the federal is it private it's privatized
1: it's, it's still it, it's it was always private mm. but the point is part of this control was the control of medicine so anyway so going back to your original thing so what i call integrative mm-hmm. medicine is when is um, cuz i've studied uh, a lot of, i've studied uh, ayurvedic i've studied the, the traditional chinese uh, naturopathy poda- botanical medicines uh, i studied with some of the great um, uh, current uh, well, now, they, now they passed away, but I mean they were current at the time I was working with them, um, and put it all together. And when I went back, so integrative means I took the best of every healing modality that I could study, mm-hmm. and I brought it together to a set of protocols and paradigm. Um, and that's what I did. And what I found was that um, nowhere... And still to this day, nowhere are they doing all of it. Which means, if you don't change your body's internal chemi- biochemistry, and there's no other way to heal, that's the only way you'll heal. If you're only going to look at doing some sort of intra- intravenous therapy, some interventional therapy, um, so and see that even if you're doing that with vitamin C, let's say you're using vitamin C, curcumin, you're using all botanicals, no drugs, but that's all you're doing. You're still allopathically minded. They call them green allopaths because they're giving... So instead of walking out of the doctor's office with 12 prescriptions, you walk out with 12 supplements, right? This will fix you. This is all you need. It's just this, just this. Let me give you some... Let me fix you. That whole concept is allopathy. You're not going to fix him or me or it because they're not broken. Their body's doing exactly what it should do.
0: So are you one of the only ones doing this holistic integrative approach um, where you are... Touching upon all schools of thought of different types of medicine from around the world, are there any other type of doctors? Oh, no, they're US doing or?
1: a lot are doing that, in, but they're only doing the interventional aspect, yeah. giving the IVs and stuff like that. But I talk about I we need to work on the body, and the attitude, the mind, and the spirit. It's a whole. You have to you. It's um, you. Y- you have to see it, the human being as a psychospiritual physical being, right? For example, um, just to give you an idea of how powerful the mind's influence is on the body, let's say you have two young women, at are 28 years old, 30 years old, they become roommates. Within two months, they're menstruating at the same time. They didn't plan it, talk about it, it just happened. Mothers and daughters will often menstruate at the same time. Another example, uh, a couple trying to have a baby. They can't get pregnant after many, many, many years etc they finally adopt sick two months later she's pregnant mm. okay so we don't understand how come why is it that when you take a, 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 a group of women who get raped and a group of women who are trying to get pregnant you have a higher percentage of rapes victims get who knows mm. what, what but in our psyche so in other words what I'm saying is that, is that our psyche and our, our that connection, to our health is profound and is completely overlooked by most. Uh, why is it that let women with left-sided breast cancer, not all of them, but most of them, have pretty serious issues with their mother?
0: Mm. Is, or, there, is there a di- direct like, correlation between right. all
1: of these examples as well? And right, or with their child. Hmm. And a right-sided breast cancer seem to have troubles with either their husband, their spouse, or their, their occupation. Not always. So, in other words, there's like psycho-spiritual components to all of our physical conditions that are not healthy.
0: Are we be able to be objective on, on those claims? Like, in the sense that, uh, go back to two women uh, that are roommates, they come together, they're menstruating. Are we able to figure out why that's happening, or is it just, it's beyond our knowledge, even?
1: No, no, well, now we understand. Now we understand that the mind, right? We have to understand that the mind is different from the brain, right? If the mind is thinking and thoughts... Um, The interaction between the mind brain uh, and the body is through a place called the hypothalamus, Mm -hmm. right? And the hypothalamus uh, then talks to the pituitary, which sends out and controls all the hormones, right? So uh, fear or whatever (coughs) was going on or uh, uh, a camaraderie, a desire to be close, like you have this new roommate, let's say they uh, have some sort of admiration for each other or whatever it is, they just... It correlates. They, 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 their, their biochemistries come together, and we have to understand that. Um, and in terms of energy, yeah. For example, um, if you've got, um, you know, people need to equilibrate. So, for example, a child's outside; he's hurt himself, skinned his knee, comes in crying to the mom. His his energy's all messed up. She's got great energy. They hug and they hug. That's all right, honey. As soon as their energies equilibrate, he runs outside again. So it wasn't really a big deal.
0: But at that level, it's it's still it's it's beyond our our understanding of scientifically. If we were to make it objective, how that's actually working, it's we understand it's working. But if you were to put it, you know, on papers into a textbook and try to teach that in school, it's beyond our understanding. Well, no,
1: well now we know. Now that they've done a lot of research with meditation, we now know that meditation uh, actually changes your. Uh, Uh, your hormones it changes and it changes your brain waves. We know that you go from beta wave or gamma wave, which is, you know, beta wave is every day is right now we're in beta. We're discussing, you're doing your work and you're in beta. When you go into alpha, you're relaxing and you go into theta, you're dreaming. When you go into delta, you're in deep sleep. So meditation is somewhere between alpha and theta, Mm. right? And when you get good at it, you're in theta, which means that you're aware but not editing your thoughts they're just the, the, your thoughts are there so you're just an awareness in the middle but when you're in theta that correlates to a change in the in your neurochemistry and your biochemistry so yeah i mean we know that there's an absolute correlation between brainwaves mood uh, hormones it's called the neuroendocrine axis so i mean it's it's all pretty much known now and then the other big thing that's come up in the last 12 15 years is our gut biome, is, uh, is yep. the amount of organism. Now, these organisms, if you think about it, we've got, uh, uh, our brain is approximately 1. 1.4, 1. 1.5 kilograms in weight, and the microorganisms in our gut are 2 kilograms. Okay? Yep. They produce, we have 100 million nerve cells.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> the 90% of our serotonin is, is developed bi- in the gut. So I've, if you've got a shitty diet, by bacteria. This is why you can be depressed and, exactly. you know, things aren't going right. But if you clean it up, exactly, it, it can it can go well as well. Exactly. Um, just before, let's jump into that because I think that's a, 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 a very interesting topic uh, today because it also directly relates to inflammation as well. Uh-huh. And we can go down that road. I want to just take a kind of step back to where we were discussing with the brain. I've been doing a lot of uh, reading on neuroplasticity. Yeah. And trying to understand that, uh, I guess that the... The easiest way to explain it from what I've read without getting, we won't get to like uh, doctor terminology. It's essentially we have different pathways in our brain that connect. And let's say one of those pathways is today I get up, I look at my phone, I got up, I smoked a cigarette, I had a coffee, uh, I should have exercised, And then I sat down, I should have had a shower. And now you've created this uh, negative mind loop, a cycle that's through neuroplasticity. And this is how your brain's connecting because it's comfortable and easy But through things such as diet, exercise, um, uh, meditation, we can change that. Meaning, okay, I'm going to practice meditation, I get up, I read, um, then I get ready, then I start my day, then I, you know, maybe exercise later, and I eat clean, and I'm fasting. And if you bring those all together, you're now kind of reprogramming or rebooting the mind Mm -hmm. um, through this process of neuroplasticity which this is why it's difficult at first because the brain's going, well, we used to do this every day and this is so easy. Now you want to go on this route. And then once you can do that for, I was reading, 60 days to break a habit and then you get into this new healthy habit, um, you've kind of created a new path within the mind. Now, I might have butchered that entire concept, but are you able to kind of talk on that idea?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, No, you did pretty good. You did pretty good, uh, except neuroplasticity wasn't the initial habit. Um, but, <clears throat> um, yeah, in fact, I'm almost, I've got about a, if I could ever get, if I could have two weeks with nothing else to do, I could finish this book I'm writing. It's called Why It Has to Taste Good, but, it, but it talk, I talk ex- precisely what you're talking about, and that is habit formation, how to break habits, all that sort of thing, and um, what are habits, how do you get them, and all that. But basically, think of this. 90% of our mind is what they call subconscious. It's okay, I can hear. Not available to consciousness. It's subconscious. Okay? Psychologists tell us that 80% of our thoughts are negative. Your mother's sitting on your shoulder saying, Stop, don't do that. You're gonna fall, you're gonna hurt yourself, you can't do that. Don't you know that's what we all grow up with, no stop, don't. Right? And that's pretty much 80% of our on our shoulders, right? You're in schools. Don't do that. Stand here, blah blah blah. blah. Is that
0: nature or nurture? Like, for that's example, nurtured. okay. So if your mother and, and that's normal. Uh, sorry, as I interject, that's that's a normal part of growing up in the Western world. Don't you know? No cross stop the, Yeah, no stop zone. That's normal. Now, what if that was to change at 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 nurture? Would that can we, we would our mind be right. positive?
1: Right, right. Well, and that's the whole thing. In fact, there's one school of thought in psychology. It's called the Rogerian or the hum, a humanistic school of thought and that is with unconditional positive regard humans would be magical. Okay, but we're not given that. We're given the opposite, right? And we're basically told when you no stop don't means your instincts are not acceptable. And remember, you're being told no stop don't at the age of 2 when you're purely you're innocent. You know, you're not doing anything intentional when you're just learning to walk. You're instinctual. Yeah. Yeah. So to be told no by the two people in the world who are your gods, mom and dad, yeah, that is the most profound rejection. Early, early in life, it's a it's a preverbal, powerful rejection, which establishes the foundations of our later relationships. Which is why we don't trust anybody. When we get married, we have to have a contract. Why do you have to make a civil contract out of a, out of a, out of a out of something that should be the, one of the most sacred things in your life is a marriage, right? And a family and things like that. But we make it a contract. Everything is a contract we no longer trust each other.s but i think it's because of that initial fund, fundamental rejection. but anyway, as a result, that's our mind. and so um, we 90% of our mind is uh, unaccessible. but and and but and also realize that and our th-
0: this is the premise of, of the book. It's it's focusing on like uh, changing, your habits. changing your your habits Eating in your habits. mind. Yeah.
1: Okay. How can i get people to change their lives? Yep. Yeah. And um,
0: what is there? Do you touch upon psilocybin in that in that book at all? And have you done any research into yeah, that? Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't. I haven't gotten to that yet, but I will at my last, the last two chapters. Okay. But I will get into that. Um, but I, I mean, I, I I'm interested in using mushrooms for uh, not only mushrooms but ayahuasca. Uh, for um, have you tried it before? People with cancer, everything but ayahuasca. You've never tried it. No, uh, no ayahuasca but no. i've tried everything
0: i've tried it once um uh the real thing or the real thing um the problem i had with it was i don't believe you should be doing this type of uh, therapy essentially in a group setting and i did it in a group setting of 10 to 15 people oh yeah, yeah and yeah. that's just because they, they have to set it up that way they, they need to make money where were you Copenhagen. yang
1: oh okay yeah. well see that I would, if I were to do it, I'd go to Ecuador. Yeah,
0: you have to go. I, you I, gotta I go get to, that. You got to go to the right spot. But they came from the U.S. They brought all the ingredients. There was, I trusted it. It was yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. legit. Yeah. But, and again, at this point, I've been in Asia twelve years, so I've. The beauty of, and I'll kind of digress quickly and come back, but the beauty of living in Asia is we don't have the news. We don't have the channel six news. So what we do at night is we look for information to read Mm -hmm. and then you go down rabbit holes. So I've went down all these rabbit holes, which found ayahuasca. Um, Now the problem was when I did this ayahuasca ceremony and I felt it was legit. It wasn't charlatans. It wasn't snake oil salesmen. It was quite legit, but it was the group setting with these 20 people and I took it and I was fine. But the problem was all the people around me had different intentions. Mm. This one didn't treat her son right. This one uh, maybe had an illness a while ago. There was a lot of negative energy and I absorbed it right Right. away. And when they asked me, what's your intention? I'm like, to be honest, I I just want to see, I I want to discover ayahuasca. That's my intention. Uh And everyone else had this negative attention. So an hour into it, my mind went negative. I went, no, this is fake. This can't be real. And then I went into these negative mind loops. I'm like, and then I would come out of it and be like, no, it's fine. Your, your mind's playing tricks on you. And like, I could never get into the setting because I was watching all these people crying and puking and shitting and pissing around me. And I'm just sitting there going, ah, get, you know, try to control it. And that was actually the biggest issue. You can't try to control it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my point of it all is if, when you go down and you do these med- medicines, let's, let uh, um, traditional medicines do not do them in a group setting. It needs to be one on one, or maybe with one other person. Mm-hmm. And that w- that was a bit the biggest mistake. Yeah, one I other made. person. I think. Yeah, maximum. So um, we we were talking about uh, your I mean, book,
1: the ha- but the habits, you know, breaking habits, um, and the and the neuroplasticity. So, uh yeah. If you think of uh, so, what we try to do is see the conscious mind can only entertain. Um, it, it it can entertain less input than uh, the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is vast. The conscious mind is not. So when you're learning to drive a car, you're learning with the conscious mind. You've got to have both hands on the wheel. you got to have your foot down there. You've got to be looking out the mirrors. You get, you're very stiff. Now, as you learn it, and it goes into the subconscious, you could be driving with one hand, talking on the phone, shaving. You, you know. Now it's subconscious. Someone says, hey, what route did you take coming over? And you go... You don't remember because you weren't even in the car. You weren't even aware of it. You were thinking about I should have, could it's almost have. almost muscle have. muscle memory to an extent. Yeah, well, you, yeah, but it's subconscious. Yeah. So once it gets into the subconscious, it's no longer. And that's what we become. See, we don't only have um, trains of thought. You've heard of that idea trains of yeah. thought. I lost my train of thought. and We have trains of behavior. And these are behavioral trains that we get on, which is what you were talking about. You, you know, you get up in the morning and you're making yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever it is, smoking a cigarette, whatever you're doing. You're not doing it. It is happening and you're somewhere else. Yeah. You're not present. You're thinking about what you're going to do later, what should have happened yesterday. I could have, I should have. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. You're, and you're not present. And you're, you're in this behavioral train. And that's why the, the only way you can get on top of it, my conclusion. Mm-hmm. Because we all know there isn't a cigarette smoker alive that doesn't know they should not smoke. There's not an alcoholic that doesn't know he shouldn't. There's not a heroin addict that doesn't know they shouldn't shoot heroin. Why don't we do it? Because, and uh, we can reduce it to a simple concept of willpower, self-control, stuff like that. Why don't we have that? Well, we don't have that, and, and and I've done... Research and you'll see when you, if you, when you if you ever read this book. It has to be with has to uh, do with when you go to sleep. And without getting into the details, basically we are um, human, Humanity arose out of the subequatorial zones. We're not equ we're equatorial subequatorial, and the and we're diurnal creatures. We're not nocturnal
2: creatures. Mm-hmm.
1: And so in any sub-equatorial zone, the latest that sunset would ever occur during the whole year would be around 7 p.m. latest. So let's just take that as the... Well, in, in this part of the world. Right, right, which is yeah. sub-equatorial, sub-equator- yeah. right? We're equatorial, basically. So you would go to sleep naturally, and your body's physiology was designed to go to sleep within an hour of sunset. And you would before the machines, before electricity, you would. And what are you going to do? You know, Candlelight and stuff for a while. But you're going to go to sleep. And when you go to sleep at that time and, and, we, and you look at the sleep cycles and your hormones and your growth hormone and your cortisol and, and all of that stuff and your DNA gets changed and you start repairing and you understand that before 2 a.m., most of your sleep cycle is restorative and a little bit of REM or dreams. And then after 2 a.m., it's mostly dreams and a little bit of restorative. You go to bed at 11, you wake up at 7, you still got eight hours, but you didn't get much restorative sleep. Yeah, you dreamt so you're not crazy and you don't hate the world, but you haven't restored your physiology, you haven't restored your health, you haven't consolidated memories that well. You haven't done a lot of things like that. You're not going to have the self-control. So what I want people to understand mostly is that today began last night. Tomorrow begins tonight. And if you think of it as a train, when I was talking about behavioral trains, if you think of it as a train, if I get on the A train and I take it all the way, I'm going to wind up in Harlem. There's no way I'm going to wind up on the Upper East Side. I'm going to wind up in Harlem. So if you get on the A train again tonight, you can, and, and you can't expect to get over there, that's the train you're on. Mm-hmm. So that A train starts at 11 p.m., midnight. If you want to wind up in a different place, you've got to get on a different train. So the tra- I, 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 It's an easy way for people to look at it. Today begins last night. Tomorrow begins tonight. So now you've gone to sleep. And I have uh, teach you how to sleep, hygiene, how to clean your mind out and everything. You get up in the morning, okay, and you feel fantastic. You've already done your meditation, your reading, you've worked out, you're feeling fantastic. You go out the door, you've taken care of mind, body, and spirit. You see that Winchell's donut, you see that McDonald's, and you just say, no way, I feel too but you're on your third cup of coffee and you didn't you know you're not yeah. feeling too good you're going to say oh what the hell. Oh what no, the hell. And that's just a that's a gross way to look at it but that's basically the foundation of it. So if you were going to have one new year's re- resolution go to sleep early. You go to sleep yeah. early and you will then do what you already know. So is it like you're synchronizing your sleep
0: pattern with the sun?
1: With the sun and the with earth. The sun.
0: So no matter what, even if you went to bed at, let's say, 11 o'clock and you woke up at 11 the next day, you haven't synchronized that with the sun. So even if you got that 12 hours, you're not going to feel the same if you did. Correct. And that that's very true. I had a period, I would say, for about almost a year. I would go to bed. I'd be in my bed at 8 p.m. Wow. I'd be asleep by 9.30, and I'd naturally wake up at 4.30. Exactly. I did that for about a year. Then I started this business, and what happens is I work. It's hard. You pull your way yourself away from the computer. The next thing, but you how did you feel it. then? I felt amazing. Yeah. I could wake up at four thirty. I could meditate. I could go to the gym. I would fast. I, I fast eighteen hours yeah. pretty much every yeah. day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I wouldn't even be hungry till one o'clock. The day would end, and then when I got into that routine, honestly, at seven thirty, my eyes were shutting. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, my eyes were shutting. But yeah. it took me. A couple months to get into it and it took two seconds to get out of it. Yeah. Two yeah, seconds.
1: Exactly. And that's the problem. Yeah. It's kinda like it's kinda like uh anybody who's ever had a problem with any substance, alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, whatever, no matter how long they've been away from it, one puff, you're right back. It's not like you're starting over, you're right back Why is that to where you were. Like because you already have that you already have that neurological loop. It's already... Uh, so, if, so if we, if we look, go back to the neurochemistry, um, the way that, like for example, when you're learning to drive, you're developing these pathways. You're st- that's the plasticity, developing the, pl- the pathways. So it's kind of like water going downhill. Think of water going downhill. So let's you're say... carving it, these. It go- yeah, so once it goes, it'll always go that way. Yeah. It'll always get that way. So to break it is very, very difficult. And that's why you have to do certain specific things. Um, and, and, and replacing a, a habit that you don't want with a habit that you do want is the best way. Yeah. Just getting rid of a habit, is you, you can't.
0: So number one, like step one is, is, is sleep, essentially. Yes. And I was reading, I heard you say that sleep trumps diet. Yeah. yeah. And, and if, as long as you can get control of your sleep pattern, then you can, it, naturally everything should fall into place. It will.
1: It will, yeah it will because and no, then, i believe that. and even if you don't understand exactly what is the right diet what you'll do you'll learn because mm-hmm. in the morning what i always recommend is meditation reading while your mind is clear before the day begins and then exercise yeah okay so in the morning if you, you so you get up in the morning you're feeling fantastic you're going to read about nutrition you're going to come to understand it you'll learn so even if you don't know you have to have gotten that if you didn't get that sleep you'll say i don't want to you just never get to it, and if you're trying to read this stuff at night, forget it. Yeah, the brain's
0: shutting down, and and uh, like you're you're saying that by meditation, and then reading, reading is real, mm-hmm. and the second you step out into the world, it's all right, fake, exactly. So when you're stepping out the door, you're you're, I don't know what's the word for that. You're you're kind of uh, hindering your thought process. You're 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 getting all this bullshit into the mind that's distracting it from the truth. And again, back to the point. I try to read at night. I can't read three pages. My eyes close. And then what ends up happening is I go back the next night, and I don't even remember the three pages exactly. I just read. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So the only thing you want to read at night is for entertainment, like a novel, okay. something that you don't need to remember. You know. So instead of watching a TV program, read some a Sydney Sheldon novel. Mm. You know, it's fun. You know. And, but yeah. So don't don't do anything seriously at night. And people do the opposite. Like they're in college, they're up all night. When I went to medical school, I remember I'd go to bed at 8. I'd wake up at 4. By the time we'd go into class at 9 and have a test, I was... Phew. yeah. Everybody else is like drinking coffee and they've got notes on their hands and they're like that. And I was just... I, I just studied it all.
0: But where do, That must be a, a sociological issue because this is what we're kind of told, um, I would say primarily through the media as growing up, this is how you study. It's in the movies, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Go to bed at night, study all through the night, yeah. drink your coffee, right? Is there was there an agenda there? Like, well, actually, well, why don't you just do the opposite, right? right and the right. problem's
1: fixed, right, 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 right. Well, we've always known this. Um, uh, early the early the bed, uh, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, healthy, healthy wealthy, and wise. That actually comes back is throughout the 14th century. So we've always known this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that it got, and what we call it folk, folklore, folk medicine, or uh, whatever we call it, um, we've always known those, those truths. Uh, yeah, they've been surpassed. Because what, ba- what, happened, what happened in the last 150 years is that all religions were replaced by the, now the, the corporations, science. Science is the religion of the 20th and 21st century. And, 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 and I know that, in my role in life. Modern
0: day science.
1: Right, so. right, right, right. Yeah. I know that, right, not astrology and stuff yeah, yeah, or alchemy, right. But uh, I know that because I'll have, I when I was in New York, I'd have Hasidic Jews, which are very, you know, they're the Jews with the, they, they have the Orthodox, the Orthodox zoos, right. Yeah, yeah. I'd have them come in and trust me more than their rabbi. I'd have Christians come in, trust me more than their priest or their minister, right, and, or Muslims. You know, in other words, Science, they, they consider a doctor, as, uh, I'm, I'm science, I'm one of the priests of science, the high priests of science, and uh, so they trust me more. Now, if, they're, if, they're, if their rabbi had said to them, look, go to sleep early, pray all the time, you know, be a good Jew, mm-hmm. pray, eat the food, do all this, right? Well, i got to go talk to my doctor. So in other words, we have replaced religions with science, and that's the problem. Um, and then, you know, around 19, right after the war, right after the Second World War, uh, after they divided up the world, yeah, yep. they d- divided Kuwait, Iraq with Kuwait. They they, they they installed Israel and they put in, they divided Pakistan and Here India. One sec, just watch the mic a bit. They divided Pakistan. You're okay, no. Yeah, it's
0: only when you, ca- if you go like that ah, a bit, okay. it's like literally you can't go past there. <laughs>
1: they divided <laughs> there up you Pakistan go, you're and Pakistan, and India. When they did all that, they also decided to dumb down education, right around that point. And that's when I don't know if you ever saw the thing on the internet a couple of years ago, it was or ten years ago. It was very interesting. They had the final exam for graduating in 1850 or 60, right? And in those days, it was only a secondary education. So I mean, only eighth grade. You only went up to eighth grade, and you could graduate, at and this you point. were done. You were. But
0: you, did you have the option you could continue, or that you was could, it?
1: Yeah, well, that was about it. Unless a few people went to college, right? But that was the primary education, right? It was one through eight, and then right. So anyway, you and I couldn't pass that.
0: It was that difficult. Yeah,
1: like, yeah but that was fundamental knowledge back then. So they're teach. Well, I mean, you can compare like
0: the Indi- uh, if you go to India, their education of let's say. Um. Actually, I'll, I'll give a better example. There is a guy from Poland. Um, I was reading a story. Uh, he came over to uh, the USA and like when he was in grade three, and it took him two years before he did any homework because grade two and three in the US for mathematics was like absolute. Like he was years ahead from like this. Let's call it uh, Eastern European yeah, education. Exactly. But that whole agenda is just to dumb down the population. It was
1: a dumb, and they've succeeded. Yeah. They've really succeeded. And now you know, uh, at least in the U.S., I'm not sure about Canada, but in the U.S., they're passing people regardless, right? You're just getting educated. Yeah, getting a, at a the degree? end of the
0: day, it's subjective on what the teacher... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, b- back to, to your, your book, and then I think we'll jump into the, the gut biome side and kind of piece that all together. The main purpose of the book is breaking habits... And uh, with a focus, like is it focused heavily on sleep or more holistic, no, also no, sh- on the, on the diet as well?
1: Yeah, no, that's just one part of it. Sleep. One part of it. Yeah, but it's more. It's uh. W- w- it's interesting. The way it started was that we have my clinic in the U.S., the o- An Oasis of Healing. Um, we have a new. We, we put out a, r- a recipe book, every couple of years, right? Of mm-hmm. raw, raw vegan recipes, yep. delicious. So anyway, so uh, Clotilde, my administrator there, said, "Can you write a preface, preface for the uh, for the for the for the for the, for the pre- food book prep book?" I said, "Sure." So I started, and here I am. She's saying, "Okay, it's been six months, seven months. What do you do?" Anyway, but now it's like 180 pages. Yeah, it's a book. <laughs> yeah, it's a book because I couldn't stop because you know where do you stop? And it's just unfolded. But I go into everything. Uh, uh, everything. But sl- sleep is an important part. But how, the, the the point is, um, what uh, think about it. What makes people change? Usually pressure. Something's going to pressure
0: you into a corner and then you make that change. You, you, and that's subjective, but it's for that person of like, they almost feel like they're being pushed off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And then you have a, the option there to make the change or fall off.
1: Mm, exactly. Well, that's it. Right. And then... Um, Unfortunately, tragically, humanity's, humans' best friends are pain and suffering. Mm. Without them, we don't change, right? So you tell a 16-year-old, look, go to bed early, you know, don't eat pizza, don't s- smoke and drink all night. And they're doing that, and they feel fine. They get up in the morning, and they're, they're okay, right? It's not until they're in their late 20s, they start saying, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, just, I just don't feel good. So not until you suffer are you willing to change. Right, and that's why I've always enjoyed, loved working with people with cancer because with cancer, it's showtime. Mm. they' it, it's it's literally do or die. So, people, when I work with people with cancer, they're always so willing, and they're so easy to teach and to, and they're and they're, and they're because they're at that point
0: of yeah. they've they've reached the, uh, the the edge. And didn't you say? Uh, um, I recall you saying, cancer is kind of a slap in the face of like. Okay, it's time to take a right turn.
1: Well, no, it's a tap on the shoulder by tap God. Tap on the shoulder. Tap on the shoulder by God saying, the path you're on is a little bit shorter than you would like. Make yeah. a right-hand turn mm-hmm. here. Yeah. So they make a right-hand turn, and if you make that right-hand turn and you walk it, you'll become the, the person that you n- would never have become. And so all the people that I've worked with that have, that have cancer is just a part of their history, it's not a current event, mm-hmm. Are look back and say, that was the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: You know. When you get a cancer patient that comes t- to you, do you have a, uh, a set process or is it kind of a patient by patient that you're assessing them on what type of integrative approach are you going to apply?
1: Well, no, um, the answer is that, um, what I'm looking for is where they're, where, how they view their situation and where they are psychologically and spiritual so
0: that's step one you're gonna dive before but i'm asking
1: but i'm asking a medical history i'm doing a regular doctor thing yep but i'm and and because to me really the labs and the and the imaging and the pet scans and all that stuff although i need to know them for so i know where we're beginning they're not anywhere as important as the person's where how they're approaching it how they feel Mm -hmm. um And, uh, but, but one thing to understand about cancer, to answer your question, I think what was implied there was um, that whether it's breast cancer, colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, brain cancer, you know, the second word is cancer. The first word is location. So cancer is cancer is cancer is cancer. And the only difference between pancreatic cancer and breast cancer being in terms of prognosis is location. The pancreas is right next to all these organs. So if the cancer grows one centimeter, it's already in another organ, causing problems, blockages. It's spreading. It, it's spreading. But the breast tumor could actually get three, four, five centimeters, and you're still stage two because you haven't affected anything. Mm. So, or if it's in the brain, it can't grow very far, otherwise you're dead, right? So it that we have to understand that. But 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 when the pathologist, the guy, the laboratory doctor, when you send a biopsy to them and they look under the microscope, they're looking for specific Morphological uh, uh, characteristics that identify can because cancer is cancer is cancer is cancer, and in fact, there's a very interesting pathological diagnosis when they say, "Okay, he's got an adenocarcinoma that is uh, undifferentiated." Okay, so and just understand. Let's take the mystery away from diag- diagnosis. Is a name. It's nothing. Yeah, other- it's it's what's the actual the actual. P- the, the root
0: of the problem which can come from the lifestyle but I think I know where you're going with that you're saying that let's say from uh, modern medicine the path pathologist he's going to see that tumor he's going to analyze it and he essentially he's a, a robot at this stage and he's going to pull up his book right
1: well not to
0: the doctor to the oncologist yeah. but he's going to pass that information and say you have this and then the oncologist is going to pull his book up with modern medicine and go the exactly. That's the diagnosis. Right, right. And it's 30 rounds of radiation. Right, right. They
1: don't have to think. They they don't think. There's an algorithm.
0: And that is because of protocols that have been implemented by the government in place so that those doctors cannot be um, um, held accountable.
1: Exactly. Exactly. In other words, it's called standard of care, right? So, for example, let's say you're doing something that's outside of the standard of care. You're giving vitamin C and someone dies, then you're in trouble. You're giving high-dose chemo, and somebody dies. You're not, because you you were in standard of care. Now, these protocols come from the pharmaceutical um, companies, right? Uh, Because they fund the research. So that's where that comes from. So, and every year, uh, there is a meeting by the, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, which is kind of the world central
0: but but these society these societies they're making these protocols legalized or like official and th- those protocols by are being,
1: consensus they uh, this is the way you treat breast cancer by consensus this is who, the way you, who's saying that
0: the, the, where's the, that where's that narrative coming from
1: well it's got because if you presented your paper at ASCO American Society of Clinical Oncology okay. now it is, you've presented it there, and everybody goes, yay, like this, and it passed what they call peer-reviewed. Yep. It's, it's law. It's law. So now, if you're going to do something contrary to that, you've got to come up with a clinical trial and prove that that's, or, or at least say that this is a secondary approach. Ah, uh, okay, and you need right? funding for this clinical right? trial, which is funded on.
0: by the pharmaceuticals, so therefore, because that fund, that, that clinical so they, trial could, co- clinical trials could cost millions.
1: Well, they yeah. say to bring a drug, To market costs anywhere from six to eight hundred million. Holy shit! Right. So, um, yeah, and so these are the guy, and so and they need FDA approval. So who's the FDA working for? The guy that's paying in six to eight hundred million. Yeah. Right. So so anyway, so that's how they make it look like it's not being imposed upon you, but it's actually by scientific consensus. But see, science should never be by consensus. It should be by data. It's not consensus. We're not talking about a court of law here, where the majority say that it's this. No, no, no.
0: It's like you're compromising on the 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 solution to to cure someone, just for you know the profitable benefit. But you're not giving the best solution right. at the end of the day.
1: Well, it's not. But, but yeah, and it's not consensus. It's got to be proof. In other words, um, I mean, consensus c- could say, for example, that this particular medicine works even if it doesn't if consensus says it then that's you know and we see that now what's going on in the world i don't want to go into it too much but what's going on in the world right now by consensus and imposed consensus you get this medicine and blah 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 so that's the point consensus is not science science is facts Data. data data
0: that's it that's so it. the consensus side, I mean, I, let's say you need a uh, hundred peer reviews of doctors. Well, there's thousands and thousands of doctors in the U.S. You only need to uh, uh, trying to word that properly. Get you know, uh, get under the table essentially with these hundred people to get them to sign off. So there's there's it's there's a very gray area and there's simple loopholes to. Get your medicine
1: out there. Well, the thing is this the New England Journal of Medicine, right? The British Journal of Medicine, the um, American uh, JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association. There are certain journals, right? And then in chemistry and in biology, there are certain journals that are considered the top journals. Which they're businesses. Okay, but those editors are appointed, and those editors will say, your Your article is not acceptable for publication. So the articles that are in fact, we we've seen this like at Sloan Kettering Memorial Hospital, which is a very well known um, cancer hospital in New York. Uh, I think it was I forget, ten years ago now, twelve years ago. The uh, the the head of it had to resign his post because he uh, was taking bribes for having our uh, um, research papers. And this is public news. This is public. Yeah, that's why. I, otherwise, I don't usually. Yeah. I don't yeah, yeah, usually. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. usually yeah. mention. Um, what do you call it? that particular entities uh
0: um yeah what what is uh um, slander slander yeah 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 Yeah. this is public news so if you look it up
1: right you look it up so he he had to resign it because he was taking bribes to allow um to allow certain uh, people to be published in their in their um in their journal you know and that goes on a lot so um most of the time they don't get caught right but you could a lot of people submit papers and they don't get accepted. They don't get accepted. So it's really skewed about what's, and you got to remember, it's these top journals are the only ones that the oncologists will read. Or if you're in neurology or your cardiology, it doesn't matter where you're in, mm-hmm. but they'll only read that. So therefore they have kind of um, proscribed the, uh, the, they've, the made, they're made, they've made a program
0: for those doctors. It's no different than watching the Channel Six News.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: It's very similar. This is your information. Talking points, right? Yeah, these are your talking points. This is the way it works. That's it. Just if you're watching, you know, Channel 6 at 6, and they're also going to tell you what to think and listen as well. Exactly.
1: So we're doing a, um, a, my colleague in the US. I have a question. And how can we break this cycle? Like if if you don't have enough data on
0: side uh, treatments,
2: how
1: can
0: we break this cycle?
1: How can we break consensus?
2: Yes, if we don't have enough data on site treatments, uh, it means we don't have a we we cannot break this consensus at all, right?
1: They're it's they're 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 too powerful. Wh- what we have to do is, um, what well what I've had to do, me and 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 people like me in the U.S. is you just practice outside of the uh, out of the norm, mm-hmm. right? So they call that's why they call us alternative or they yeah. call us holistic as if we were you know, Oh see. Yeah, but, but they at least we're accepted. Soon that may not be the case, but right now, up till now, you've been, if you, you know, as long as you don't do, like when I was in New York, I was continually being um, brought up before the medical board, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. For doing, for giving vitamin C or whatever I was doing, low dose chemo with insulin, whatever I was doing. And I had to go to the medical board and defend it. I always did, fortunately, but the psychological stress. The cost, I had to get attorneys. That's why I moved to Arizona finally, because in Arizona, if you're a medical doctor and you also know homeopathy, you can get licensed as a homeopath. So an MDH. An MDH. And then you can do everything you would do as a medical doctor, but more. Mm. So then if someone said, he's giving his vit- patients vitamin C, my board would say, great, good. He's alive. So, so I, that's why I moved to Arizona. The only way, you can't, because you're not going to change consensus because they control the research. And they control the journals and they control academia, and Even they the studies publish, everything. Right. Like, for example, you talk to a regular oncologist mm-hmm. about vitamin C, <coughs> and he'll say there are no studies. Mm. Have go, they go to PubMed and put in vitamin C and cancer, and there are 20, 30,000 peer-reviewed articles on vitamin C. Mm-hmm. So and that, that's just to show you. Now, that, so when they, when the, with that, what does that tell you? It, the guy wasn't lying. He didn't know. He doesn't even know that there's studies. He doesn't even know because he's a conventional guy. And he's not getting that
0: information, he's not. or he doesn't have access to it.
1: He, oh, he does, but he doesn't know about but it. But he's
0: being fed something else. He's
1: told, "Don't even read it." Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to ask pretty much the, the same question. It's more or less. Along those lines saying like, if we need to break the system, could that affect your medical license it, because you've went alternative, but your protection is being able to operate in the state
1: of Arizona. You're right. Arizona and Nevada are and the two states. That's it. Hawaii, Alaska, Puerto Rico, any of these like... You're, you're in, you could be in trouble. You could but be you in have trouble. To be, you have to be very, very, very careful. Whereas you still have to be careful in, there. in Arizona and, 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 and Nevada. All you have to do is, the beauty is you have to stick to the science. So if I'm going to do a p- treatment protocol, right, I've got to present to my board before I start what I'm going to do and what the research is that shows it, and then give them my protocol. And they say if they say, okay, they approve it, then I can do it, and I'm fine. Mm, but right. they could
0: easily, let's say tomorrow, if they had you know outside influence, they could uh, botch that. They, could, they say, could. In theory.
1: In theory, they could. Yeah. Because do you see
0: the, this happening at any time, or do you see, that because of the recent trends of alternative medicine, holistic medicine, and the pressure that the pharmaceutical companies are facing, uh, especially today, that other states will open up for, to allow these MDH?
1: Well, they want, I don't think they're going, to go, they're going to do the MDH, but what they're going to do um, is they're, um, they have uh, uh, medical freedom laws In other words, if they have the medical freedom law, that means that it says that a a patient has the right to choose the type of medicine they want to be involved with. And that means you can therefore legally practice under there. However, you're still practicing outside of the standard of care. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if there was a death, right, then you could be held liable uh, and you're in so therefore a lot of the a lot of these doctors in those other states their malpractice is too high or there's some other reason that they can't they can't do there's a lot of prohibitions on it because think about it people with cancer stage 4 cancer
0: a lot are going to die unfortunately yeah, so it's it's almost like it's too again you're at that turn you have right. to make a decision
1: yeah yeah so the point is this um, if they were to die getting chemo, it's okay. If they're to die in the other one. So that's why it's, um, um, it's, it, it's yeah, we'll never, we'll never, st- I don't think we'll ever, at least until the world goes through a metamorphosis, I don't think we'll ever change the way it is. Do you see that happening at any
0: time soon? Because my opinion is with recent events it seems like it's going in the complete opposite direction. If anything, it's going to get more, it's going to get worse, more power, more control. And uh, I don't really think there's much we can do. I I don't, I think my generation will kind of get through it. We'll be at the end. Um, but if I were to have kids, uh, it's not
1: looking too good. I think I agree with you. I think that humanity has a collective karma. We have a collective destiny. And, uh, um, Well, you know, for example, if we didn't change what we were doing with the oceans, the way we fish them, by 2050, the oceans would be dead, and therefore life on Earth would be dead. Because if you lose the oceans, that's where two-thirds of our oxygen comes from there. I mean, it's more than just that. But really, by the way we're overfishing, the way we're—and I'm not even talking about the pollution. I'm talking about the overfishing— the sharks and stuff. Take, you yeah, because
0: you, you, you'll destroy the entire ecosystem. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. I mean, so that's that. We're, we're spilling, we're spilling oil, we're spilling uh, nuclear waste. We're doing all of these things. So, so the point is this, um, um, the universe balances and there's going to be a balance one way or another. And uh, I, I think if it wasn't us calling each other, like, you know, we're going to kill each other. We're going to kill 90% of us in the next, decade or so uh if it didn't i think we'd be hit with a meteor something nature has to balance so you're right i see a long period of of darkness i see another i think a second dark Dark age and then and then we'll come out of it and probably three or four generations from now we'll start to maybe come out of it i think we're going to go through a um what was that movie
0: Oh, the Hunger Hunger Games? Hunger Games.
1: Games. Games. Uh, We're going to go through that. Yeah, this
0: Orwellian style under, you know, scrutiny. And also, what was that
1: other one? Uh, Divergent? I mean, every dystopian movie in one is what's happening now. All of them, except there's no exit door. Do you you think a lot of the
0: movies, I mean, again, essentially movies that we know it today, they're, they're what? They're only 30,
1: 40 years old. Have
0: they been designed to program us for the this moment?
1: Well, we know that we know the CIA controlled Hollywood. We know that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, uh, we'll we'll come back to that. But I think we're on an interesting topic. Uh, some people are, and again, this is not my my opinion. It's I'm reg- a lot of opinions. They're regurgitated opinions. Yeah, yeah. No, not a lot of people have profound opinions. Right. To be let's be honest. Right, right. Um, one of my gr- regurgitated opinions is that um, are they preparing for an alien invasion, a fake alien invasion as like because a lot of the, the movies have been programmed that way. And like you're saying, it's like this world is coming together with every worst disaster possible in one from a meteor strike to essentially zombie apocalypse of what is mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. And the third one they've always programmed has been alien invasion. I'm wondering, is that you? Do you think that's a possibility, or it's completely off the rails?
1: Well, I, I really, um, I, I've actually um, had two encounters myself. So, okay, yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't think alien is a uh, plus. I, even, even in even, Arizona, or no, in uh, where I grew up in California, number first one, and the other one was way up in Canada. Uh, but um, I mean, these were these were. What, are, you, are you willing to talk
0: oh, about yeah, yeah. what well, happened on the California the Well, Californial... In
1: California, when I was like... Uh,
0: and what, what year was this,
1: man? I was like 16. 16. Or 17, 16. And uh, friends and I were up camping in a place called Sespe Creek. I, I grew up in L.A. It was out in the mountains. And it was probably around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we were just gathering wood because it was going to get dark in about an hour. And we were gathering wood, and then we heard a, and so we looked up, and there was this uh, uh, sphere, bigger than a house, Mm -hmm. just, and just going like that. I remember looking at it, and then the next thing I knew is it was nighttime, and we had a fire going. You kind of lost time. Lost time, lost track. And I don't know. And then so and I we never talked about it ever again. We never talked about it. Now and then I remembered this about. Is this in the seventies or? Uh, let's see, I was sixteen, so it was nineteen. No, I was born. So it was 68. Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: and this is still. This is actually still that. That would be a relatively new case in theory. Like in theory, a lot of right. this stuff ha- happened with what was it? Betty, Roswell. And Roswell, and then Betty and Barney. Uh, there's a famous story about the the oh right right, right. The, the white and black couple, but that's yeah, yeah. something else. So, so I
1: called my I, I remember about oh maybe 20, 30, 25 years ago I called my uh, no not even twenty years ago I called uh, I, I, I I I like thought about that. So I called up a couple of my old friends, and said, "You remember?" They go, "Yeah." They remembered. They go, "Why didn't we do anything?" I don't know. And it was weird. So I mean, there was that, and then he, and then this other one was recently. This was about. My kid is 28 now, so he was 8, huh? 9, 10.
0: This is in Canada.
1: Yeah, so we were in New York. I took them to summer camp up in Canada. Where about, whereabouts? In uh, Quebec. Quebec, okay. So we're up there, and I w- it was the last day of camp, so I went to pick them up, he and his the sister. And he and I were standing, or sitting out on, the, standing out on the balcony just looking because the stars were fantastic. And so we saw this what which we thought was the little dipper mm. right that formation right except that that's one star and these other four came around it. And then they all surrounded it and I said are you seeing this? you know we were it, it was like it didn't happen it happened slow enough so that we could talk about it and then they got around it and then it, started firing in all directions and then went, and then they went, he's gone. And I, did you you see that? So then, what was interesting is that uh, when he got back, because this is uh, pre-cell phones and everything. Yeah. When he got back to, we got back to New York, he asked, his friend said, his friend told him, you know, I was on the roof and I saw the same kind of thing. So that was it. So those are the two things I saw. And then other, forget all that. Just, um when you think that there's 200 billion stars in our milky way Mm -hmm. and we know that in just that part of the universe that we've been able to see there's at least a hundred billion 200 billion galaxies it's impossible not improbable Mm -hmm. impossible for the some sort of situation to exist where intelligence life would be so yeah my i i
0: i've went down those rabbit holes i believe i don't believe i get a little crisscrossed in it all uh the the only problem that always confuses me is the fact that how quickly life comes and go on a planet which means the timing for another uh, civilization they would have to be around for a billion years to catch up to our little time our glimpse of time which means like i think it's nearly impossible that Two civilizations, well, no, not impossible, but to grow at the same rate, let's say, and let's say uh, they were able to get the te- technology and make it over here. I think they would have to be around for so such a long time that they would be uh, essentially populating the galaxy to be able to get to us, which means whatever they are uh, if they're beings or they're robots or whatever the hell they are they're so far ahead of us in terms of technology that our ego can't even understand it
1: well right and i don't think they would i i think once once um once once a uh, uh, a group would get to that point um i don't i think they'd be beyond um dimensions no? Be beyond the the um the mentality that we have on, on Earth of, of, of wanting to own real estate and want and greed. I think they'd be beyond that. I don't, I think in order to do that. In fact, do you know uh, what's his name? Greer. Did yes. Ever, look at his yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah.
0: right? right. Sam, not Sam Greer, but I know who you're talking he's about. He's a
1: doctor who got into uh,
0: S- uh, SETI. I think he's yeah, involved he, SETI. Well, he's uh, search for extraterrestrial. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he's he he's the one that briefs the presidents. Yeah. And stuff. He's you know he's the he's the real deal. Well, he says that they. He, you know he's made contact, and he says that the way they um, they go around, they get around. Because think about it, just the Milky Way. What is it? A hundred million light years across? Or 100, uh, yeah,
0: hundred million light years.
1: Yeah. Okay. Oh, so even you're going at speed of light, it's going to take you. You can't even get to yeah you know, the nearest thing. So uh, so the point is this that so travel has to go beyond. It has to be out of the time space.
0: It has to leave our understanding of physics. Yeah. Exactly, it's, it's something completely different.
1: Right. So he says this through what I, basically meditation, mm. just there, <clears throat> you just there. And, you know, and, and what's very interesting if, as I remember back in the 60s that the CIA uh, had training facilities in, in, uh, in San Francisco. Uh, they were training remote viewing. I don't know if you've ever heard of remote
0: Yeah. Viewing. There's a movie about that, something men who stare at goats. With uh, mm. George Clooney. Mm. Oh, really? This is all, yeah, that whole movie is about remote viewing. It's oh. it's about ten years old. George Clooney and I think maybe I want to say John Goodman, but I'm not sure, huh. or possibly Jeff Bridges. But anyways, oh, wow. it is great, great yeah. actor. It is, it is George Clooney, and it's called Men Who Stare at Goats gotta, and that's I, the whole I premise. Got, I gotta read that. Yeah.
1: But the, the, so the Soviets and the CIA's, then they both did it, and if you and if you you know a lot of those people talked about it, you know they actually accurately would identify a Soviet sub off of, whatever, 100 miles off of uh, New York Harbor, down deep, which which we couldn't detect. So in other words, that stuff works. So if that worked, and the people that did it said that they actually were able to go out to other planets and stuff like that. So if that stuff is possible, which apparently it is, otherwise these programs, these government programs, wouldn't have been in existence for decades, I mean, literally decades. And I mean, so in other words we have so much hidden from us it's hard to know but you've got to just be able to uh, sift through the madness
0: um, yeah there's I, have you ever heard about uh, akashic readings Ak- akashic readings i've tried. have you tried that meditation Akashic, no. Akashi. have you tried it there's a good one on youtube i'll send it to you it's hmm. about 45 minutes huh. you you understand the premise of what it is and it's they say accessing the 13th dimension but and, and all physicists say um, the math exists up until the 13th dimension, and then that's where it breaks down. Hmm. This is not pseudoscience. This, right, is, this is science. This is science. This yeah. is mathematics. Um, and basically, the, the Akashic readings, Akashic readings, I always pronounce it wrong, but anyway, essentially what it is, it's Akashic. Akashic. It's, it's accessing through meditation a library of existence of all time, infinitely, forever. And what you can do is through this meditation, you go through a library and at the end in the library, you end up at a book. And when you get to the book, you can open the book and you can ask the book anything you want. You can say, I want to go to the year 300,000 BC, show me that page, and you can enter it. I've tried it about three or four times. Every time I get down, the, I've got down the library hall, I've got to the book. And every time I get to the book, I'm just flipping white pages. And I know what the problem is. I uh, get too excited or something mm-hmm. falls apart there uh, or too eager. The ego comes in and you, and just uh, you're too, you know, when you really like, you, you, want something too much and it doesn't. Well, exist. maybe you haven't,
1: you didn't pre decide what you want. What page? Yeah. You that, no, no, I don't. I That's usually, I'm so trying to just get there. Yeah. Say, but, okay, I want to, I want to go to 100. I want to go to uh, the year um, AD zero, yeah. AD 54. So I mean see, I want to see if Jesus really existed. Mm. Or that, you know, and you can do that, and they say you can jump in and out at anywhere you want. What Akasha want. is, what the idea comes from, this comes from ancient alchemy and uh, uh, ancient understanding. Because um, if you understand that the the original science was alchemy, and out of it came astronomy, uh, mathematics. Um,
0: uh, but alchemy is essentially wasn't it turning, uh, or the that alchemist was disinforma- that was disinformation. Okay, because that I've read the book The Alchemist, and right, right. and it's all turning. What is it? Lead um, into gold.
1: L- yes. No nothing okay. to do with it
0: what is it? so what yeah explain that yeah. more because that's honestly what i thought it all, all all that it was
1: alchemy is very uh difficult to explain but um but ba- but, but let me just go to the akashic for a minute okay yeah. akasha the, the akasha is that most subtle and fundamental essential substance that is the fabric of existence. That is everywhere. Okay, it is within space. It is but it is everywhere. But it's and it's a fundamental. The alchemists called it ether the, ether, the fifth element, the fifth element. Ah, uh, okay. Where there's earth, air, fire, and water, and that was the ether. That was the fundamental, essential substance. So anything that ever happens imprints it in other words makes it it makes a yes, record. Correct. That's why it has all the records cuz everything that ever happened happened in Akasha. Yeah. Okay. And there's an imprint. And you can go back and read that imprint. But th- it's not reading like a book. It's just ex- being able to ex- ex- uh, witness it, experience it. That's what Akasha is. And um and that's why they call it the the Akasha Re- Ak- Akashic records. But alchemy was um I mean the first alchemists were it was Hermes probably and uh Hermes Trismegistus uh Egyptian god king, um, and then there were many throughout the ages. Um, and an alchemist was—he wasn't a witch doctor. It's
0: different than like no, I don't no. want to say a witch doctor or the a medicine man. It's completely different. Right. A sorcerer at this level, like
1: would that. Right, but I, not, but, but, not, but, 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 but white, white, and it was never. It would n- never. You would dark, never. Not no, dark.
0: No negative like intention. Right. right. Mm.
1: And but what they did was uh, basically what they said their 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 f- philosophy is that God created the earth in a way such that it was uh, what's their word I forget their word it's a great word but anyway not perfect. In, in terms of uncertainty? No, or? that it would, things go, they grow and then they die. A cycle. And they grow and then they die, yeah. But they had a, there's a word they used, corruptible. Mm. It, got, it was corruptible. It was corruptible. So then God, the final creation was man, hum, men and women, was humanity. So imagine, but their their idea was this, is the way they say, it. imagine you're God. You could make everything perfect. But instead of doing that, you want to make it almost, and then you to, and then your last creation is man, and you want him or her to take it, mm. it's for them to do it. And that gives you, you know, anyway, anyway that's their idea. So the idea, the, the job of the alchemist is to take this process that goes on in the earth, where something grows, and then it dies, and then it becomes, it goes back down into what they call the first matter, and then it becomes something new again. To take that cycle and to take it to the point of perfection, so that's what they do, and they make what's called the philosopher's stone, and they say that's what Jesus had, that's what um, mm. Apollonius of Tyana, who a lot of people say that Apollonius uh, is was confused with Jesus. A lot of his lectures and his, I mean, his um, sermons and stuff, right around the same. He was Greek, right around the same time. So Apollonius and Jesus got confused in those days. So it's
0: almost like a, essentially magic how we would think of magic. Um, because it's beyond our understanding of physics mm-hmm. and chemistry, does this still exist today? And do well, people
1: have that knowledge? Here's something you can check out that I think will pretty much blow your mind. There was a guy named. Um, How could I forget? Well, it'll come to me. Anyway, uh, uh, the Count, Count Saint Germain, but so they call him Le Comte de Saint Germain. He was in France. Anyway, he's in the history books. You can look him up. Yep. Count Saint Germain. In fact, in Paris, a uh, Boulevard Saint Germain. You know, he was well known. Now, S- Saint Germain was, and you can read this. It was, in fact, in the memoirs of Marie Antoinette. Uh, I forget the woman's name who wrote that. Um, said that she goes. I met this most remarkable gentleman uh, when I was doing my de- my dip, de- when I was a debutante, eighteen years old or whatever it was. I was a debutante. Wasn't a mar- remarkable gentleman. I would say he was in his early 40s, mid 40s. Just push that up a bit. A very, very, very polished gentleman. And we, we had a ball. He, he, he hosted a, a large ball. And at everyone's plate was uh, some gold as a gift. And he was a very gracious gentleman. Anyway, and she goes, Later on, she goes, Now, I was in my 70s. Eighties, whatever, and I attended a ball, and there he was, same age, hadn't aged. The other thing, the and it's, this is in her memoirs. So this it's, is in her memoirs. So that, again, anyone can look this up. Right, it's right, right, and and you can look it up. The man who wouldn't die. Okay, and so they and and what they would find is Sanjaman. He was um, he was a what do you call it? A um, like like a, a sorcerer a sorcerer? No, no, maybe? he was a um. What's the word? Confident or counselor? Counselor to the royal families of Europe. So the records, the royal records, for example, in England with King Charles, have him at court helping them with their decisions. Let's say on Tuesday, May 3rd. And then on Wednesday, May 4th, he's in Germany. Mm. Impossible in those days. So what do you think was happening? So he was all over the place. I don't know. Yeah, at that point, it's... We don't know. But the point is, he's in these records. He's well-known. He was so well-known. There's the Boulevard. There's the biggest, most well-known boulevard in not the Champs-Elysees, but actually Boulevard Saint-Germain was forever uh, considered that. So he was uh, a well-respected gentleman, and he never aged. uh, Appeared on the scenes in Europe at... I guess I forget, and then exited at about a 110-year period.
0: As as in he he died and there's records of him passing away or just disappearing?
1: Just no longer there. Disappearing. And when he first appeared, he was in his, that age. Yeah. And and, and so he exists. So there's another guy, Thomas Bond. And so if you look throughout history, uh, anyway, but we don't focus on that. We, in our training, and our education, we don't do that. But anyway, the point is he was an alchemist. Okay. Right? And uh, he didn't. Flout it it, or didn't do anything he was just living his life and he didn't you know um he wrote books i mean he wrote uh, that he's written about but there were other guys that his contemporaries like thomas vaughn is a great guy where
0: do you think they they derive from initially meaning like you can't just be an alchemist he's got to have the oh, information passed on from exactly. someone where do you think that lineage comes from well there's books that, and you can start to trace the limi- yeah. lineage. Is it very... It's, and it goes back it, to is a part of a, a, But is it part of a society? And that it's passed through family and blood? Or is it s- you're choosing people as you pass that, that that information on?
1: It's an interesting thing that there is no society. There is no group. It's a hard search. You have to become obsessed with it, right? And mm-hmm. realize that it's real. And then abandon everything in your life... And it's been that way since 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 the beginning. So, how many people are going to do that? How many people, especially today, um, what, what from bec- you come
0: because you're coming from the holistic side, but also the science side mm-hmm. from your science mo- uh, scientific uh, school of thought. What do you think that could be if you're trying to be objective about it in terms of the data and the facts? What do you think's going on there?
1: Or is it too? It's beyond. It's my, beyond. It's beyond. Yeah. It's not science. Although, or, or it's ultimate science.
0: Like science that we haven't acquired. Exactly. Yet.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think I have somewhere, in, you know, if we're listening to our second mind, our, our gut, yeah. I think it's real. Mm-hmm. And I think it's possible. Um, and uh, so therefore, and the, oh, the, I, the, I just think we don't understand it. And I think it requires a more evolved uh, species. I think we're not, as a, as a species, not evolved enough. I think there's been individuals throughout history who have been allowed to do that.
0: You think it's we don't have the brain capacity yet? No, we have it. We have it? We have it, absolutely. We just don't have the information.
1: We're not spiritually ready. Spiritually To comprehend ready. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, the, the whole idea of the lead to gold, Yeah. where that came from, is that when you have the final product of the work uh, you know, they always say alchemy. Alchemists really was a transformation of themselves spiritually to become. But that wasn't it. It was really physical work. They worked in the laboratory. You had to know what the first matter was and all this stuff. Anyway, they come out with this thing, finally. It's called the Philosopher's Stone. And it's, a sta- it's, it's in a state of perfection. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's an element. It's not going to go through the cycle of death and decay. It's not corruptible. So whatever you touch it to, goes to that state too they, so, they had so they said all metals are on their way to becoming gold because gold is the most most fundamental and it is it's why it became uh something we trade and and, and as as a because it is rare it and doesn't it. rust yep it doesn't it's uncorruptible hmm. in that in that of the metals it's uncorruptible so that's how this this story came about right that, and they yeah. you know that's why they use it for dental fillings and mm-hmm. things like that gold is oh, it's a,
0: gold it's a great semiconductor it's yeah. used for every I mean all, every single piece of electronics has gold
1: in here right so they so if you touch this to lead it will go to gold because that's all metals are on their way if you touched it to somebody who was unwell it would make them well oh, okay. that was the idea if you touched <clears throat> it to a blind person they would see you know that was that's the idea I don't know you know it's beyond our understanding. Beyond our, yeah, yeah. I can't.
0: Can, so that we can connect that, because a lot of people, they might hear that and be like, what the hell are they talking about? But let's say, let's go back a thousand years. If you were to take a piece of technology or information and, and more, let's more about the science, not the technology side, and show something that you're getting from medicine today that is so profound and introduce it to someone a thousand years ago, what today would shock them?
1: You mean not, not technology? Not
0: technology. Like more in terms of science and medicine and practices that, that, that you're, you're using that if you went back a thousand years and introduced it to them, they might not even believe it.
1: Well, I'll tell you something. I think only the thing that would shock them would be technology because, because if we go back to, what is it, 300 BC, 200 BC, Hippocrates, who said, let thy food be thy medicine, and thy medicine be thy food. I think that we have, you know, that knowledge has always been, and that's what, I mean, now, because I I consider a drug, for example, if I were to give someone a drug, that's technology, because it's a derived, it's a technology, it's it's technology. But if we go back to healing, truth and healing, that's never changed. So the truth doesn't change. So I don't think I would be able to shock anybody unless I had a cell phone.
0: Yeah, of co- yeah, on they the technology right. side, but if you were to bring back actual medicine, which is again
1: synthetic, and because the real medicine has uh, always been it's the real, always medicine. been in the food. It's always been, in fact, <laughs> when we like, it's very interesting. A lot of the chemotherapies that we that are used in medicine were the the the, the pharmaceutical companies send, sent their scientists and they'd go to the in, the jungles and find out what the indigenous peoples use. So, for example, uh, they used artesanate. Or they used the the, the wormwood plant. And oh, we okay. found out that artesanate, this one ingredient. And so a lot of the taxols, the taxanes, which are chemotherapies, come from the jungle. But it was one ele- element out of it. So, but to eaten in its full form and the full leaf and the full plant, it's not toxic, right? But what they did was they took this out.
0: To well, me. no, it's, it's a lot of our medicines, they're, they're derived, they're... they're even fungal based let's say penicillin exactly it's it's a synthetic fungus now correct exactly. yeah. and the reason they do that is because well you can't have people taking a fungus that anyone can grow you need to turn it and patent the chemical and sell the chemical um and, and that's my understanding of how that works is
1: do you agree at that level well yeah so so in other words if it's for some you can't you cannot patent nature Exa- that's my point right right yeah. so in order to get something patented it has to be unnatural Yes. By definition. So, for example, when, so when you go to a retail pharmacy to buy a drug over the ke- that your doctor wrote a prescription for, and it's patented, that means it's not natural. And it says Pfizer. Right, right. It says Pfizer. Where, they own where, the patent to that right. chemical. Yeah. So what they've done, so, so when we, let's say, for example, in the, in the 90s, there was a, a large trial of hundreds of thousands of women. It was called the Women's Health Initiative. Uh, where they were testing birth uh, uh, oral contraceptives. They had to stop the this trial because the women who were taking it were dying of all causes at a much greater degree. And that gave a bad name to uh, uh, hormone manipulation or um, hormone balancing. Yep. But it turns out it wasn't hormone balancing. It's, it's they were using patented drugs. So they got their estrogen and, and progesterone from from horse, horses in their urine. Mm-hmm. They took the natural hormone compound and they ch- added a, 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 like a, a methane group or whatever they added. They changed it. Now it's not natural. They can patent it. Yes. Now our body is a natural thing.
0: We should be able to heal ourselves. So no, we, actually, can
1: only, we can only utilize that which is natural we can't utilize. It. So for example, if I ate if I ate Saran wrap, I can't metabolize it. I can't turn it into flesh and blood. If I ate aluminum, I cannot. I need to eat real stuff. That's why when I eat a Hostess Twinkie, which has got 99 chemicals in it and a little bit of nutrition, I can't assimilate it. In other words, I can't it can't it's not convertible into flesh and blood. So my body spends all of its energy getting rid of it because mm. it's not real, you understand? So so in other words, and that's what drugs are. So uh, it wasn't until Jonathan Wright came along, he's a f- great physician, medical doctor in, in Tacoma, Washington, uh, and he and a guy named uh, Gabby, uh, who uh, brought really brought to life bioi- biologically identical or bioidentical hormones, where we take, for example, uh, certain species of yams have si- hormones similar to humans, and you can just play with them in your Compounding pharmacy,
0: like higher doses of, uh, of testosterone, right? Similar to other foods, let's say like bean sprouts or tofu have higher uh, levels of estrogen, right? Right. So you're getting the hormone from the food.
1: Well, not from the food. No, they actually make it. You can make it into a topical agent. You can make it yeah. into a pill, yeah. right? And actually, so it's bioidentical. In other words, it's not animal derived. It's not synthetic. It's biologically, it's an, and it's identical. If you look at it in, with an electron spec, they're yes. the same molecule. So uh, you're not getting a hybridized molecule. You're not getting a molecule with something extra on it that's synthetic. But the, the
0: molecule is synthetic in a sense. Like the molecule is the same, but then they're producing the molecule in a lab. Like, or are they deriving it from the food itself?
1: From the food itself. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it's derived from food. Yeah, it's similar that's to... That's a compounding pharmacy versus a retail pharmacy.
0: Yeah, it's similar to what's going on. There's a study at the University of Singapore, I believe, with a guy... I want to say dr robert bielman um he's doing a big study on um ergothionine Uh, are you are you familiar it's a non-essential amino acid that they're trying to connect to anti-aging and ergo ergothionine so it's like e-r-g-o-t-h-i-e-n-e thionine not thiamine thionine yeah not thiamine it's it's uh it's derived uh, it, it's found in a lot of mushrooms, but uh, specifically in like oyster mushrooms and shiitake, but it's high dosages are an are oyster. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to prove that um, by synthetically recreating this ergothionine from the oyster mushroom, because the problem is it's so minuscule within the mo- oyster mushroom that you'd have to eat like a kilo a day to get what they're trying to give you, which is, oh, it's impossible. How can you eat that? And they're proving that this ergothionine might be the 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 uh, human elixir or the the fountain of youth. Hmm. This study it's being done in human trials in Singapore, so it's uh it's it's been fast tracked and um yeah, it's interesting information because I guess I could segue into that. Do you believe that with um medicine or or just naturally that we can reverse aging?
1: well. We have, to, we have to we have to first define what is aging
0: aging is oxidation right essentially our body is oxidizing or uh, no different than leaving an apple out on the counter for 3 4 days
1: right 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 it's um right senescence but for, there was a there was a doctor um uh, Carol. I forget his first name uh, nobel laureate 1915 uh, took chicken hearts. And chicken, as you know, if you've ever taken a heart, if you ever took biology, take a heart out, you cut it in half, both both halves are still beating. You cut them in half, they're still beating. right? Because they have an intrinsic heart. Heart muscle has an intrinsic uh, be- ability to beat. It doesn't have to be fired on like a skeletal muscle. It just beats. So he put them in there, in, in, in Petri dishes, and he wanted to see how long they would live if he... Prevented any waste from accumulating, so he started this experiment in 1915. One five. In the early 50s, they finally stopped the experiment, and I think what happened was someone forgot to do something, or or, or they just abandoned it because chickens don't live that long. What was his intention on that experiment? To see to 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 see the, what. By uh, not allowing waste to accumulate, mm. okay, and he proved it. In other words, uh, how far would that have gone? We don't know. And they—they're probably someone else is probably replicating it. But the point is this: if waste does not accumulate, our potential. When you read in the Bible where people were leaving an a, living an average of nine hundred and twelve years before the flood, yeah, right, um, some nine eighty six, whatever. That's very very plausible. Um, So, waste accumulation. So, for example, I look at people, I look at the Hunzas or the Abkhansias that live up in the northern parts of Georgia, Russia. Running around 140, 150, fathering children at the age of 110. You know, moving Okay, so if that's happening, then what are we doing? Obviously, we've got to... What are they doing to be able to... They're living in harmony with nature. Mm -hmm. They're not accumulating waste. So, what I see aging is this. Aging is the accumulation of waste uh, becoming toxic, and, I, and there's a variety of reasons why. Well,
0: uh, I'm just missing that. What do you mean by the accumulation of waste from what we're ingesting into our
1: body? I, well, not I, only I what we're okay. Our, we have we have five uh, systems to eliminate waste. However, um, uh, there's also metabolic waste that, uh, that accumulates. Now, waste. There's two kinds. There's two kinds of waste. Basically, what I take in. If I take in garbage. Garbage in, it's got to get out. Yeah. But also, just basic just basic metabolism produces metabolic waste. For example, the hydroxyl-free radical, there's lots of metabolic, carbon dioxide is a metabolic waste, right, which comes out when we exhale and stuff like that. So metabolic wastes are, are, are produced and waste that comes in. So what happens is we don't excrete it. For example, our colon is 1.5 meters long or 5 feet five long. 5 feet, yes. Okay. Five feet, 1.5. Um, anyway, uh, we have one bowel movement a day. Two bowel movements a day. That means there's only this much left inside. So what's happening? What's happening? Well, the col- one of the main jobs of the colon is to reabsorb the remaining 10 to 15% of the water. Okay? So it t- that takes six hours.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So after six hours, if it's not evacuated, the colon continues to do its job. And its job is to continue to extract water. So the stool becomes harder and harder and harder. That's why constipation is hard, hard stools. But in addition to the water, it's also pulling out wastes and toxins. Now, there's something called the enterohepatic circulation. Entero refers to the intestines. Mm -hmm. Hepatic refers to the liver. And what that circulation is, is that all of the uh, intestines and uh, pancreas and all, all, all the, all the uh, organs in the in the stomach in, in in the in the gut, yep, all drain into a, ve- a venous system that coalesces into what's called the portal vein, and the portal vein goes right back into the liver, and the reason is, is because everything that is eaten and ingested is supposed to go to the liver like a filter system. The liver, the liver is filled. Detoxifies in. it, yeah, right? De- and, but these toxins still have to go through right. it. So that's what's happening. So when yeah. you're not evacuating, you're continually re-intoxicating your liver. And how quick is the enterohepatic circulation? Every four minutes. Mm. So by you not cleaning your bowel out, bowels out, every four minutes you are recycling toxins into your liver. So your liver is busy. And then, if you consider that 60 to 70 percent of our lymphoid tissue, which is our immune system, is in our gut, and it is also dealing with all of that, that the best thing you can do for an immune boost is do a colonic, clean out your colon, right? Um, so, like an, an enema, an enema will only gets only gets the rectum and maybe a, a small part of the distal colon. Okay, but uh, yeah or a long fast, or a juice cleanse, there are ways of getting it out. And that's but just,
0: is that going to clean the colon and intestine, intestinal walls as well? Yeah. It's like a, it's changing your oil.
1: Right, exactly,
0: exactly. Okay, and let's say 100 years ago, 200 years ago, before, because let's, I mean, it's its fair to say all the food in the grocery store, I would say 99% of the stuff we eat, it didn't exist 100 years ago, exactly. right? So. Did they have to do this back then, or is it because of recent diet that we should be
1: doing this? It's interesting. This, if anyone ever has read Homer, the Iliad and the Odyssey, back then, they, they, they talked about it then. So the point is, we've, um, for the most part, I mean, think about it too, also, it's from the kind of food we eat. So even though they didn't have the chemicals and the processed food, they did cook it. They did cook it. They had lots of fats and oils and greases and things like that. So they were eating food that wasn't... The pro- if you understand, if you study cooking, if you understand what cooking is from a chemist's point of view, yeah. you're producing what are called Maillard chemicals. Correct. And these Maillard chemicals are, are carcinogens, right? And, so, and there's all kinds. There's strecker degradation. There's a whole process that food goes through. So uh, when you just steam or boil food, Okay, you, you eliminate the, the uh, enzymes. You're killing the enzyme. enzyme. And when you don't have enzymes, when, when something doesn't have its own intrinsic enzymes, then you lose that portion of digestion. Okay?
0: And the potency of, of the, the nutritional value
1: as well. It's gone. Yeah. It's, it's gone. It's, yeah. It diminished greatly. But, but the, the first part of digestion is when you eat the food, it would go into your upper part of your stomach. And there it would go through auto digestion through its own enzymatic degradation. Then it would fall into the lower part of your stomach, where then that's where the pepsin and pepsinogen, and all these different enzymes uh, and acids, and all that get together and prepare it for the duodenum. And the duodenum it's where it's exposed to pancreatic enzymes and all that. So now, if you're eating food that's full of enzymes, what's going to arrive at the pancreas and what's going to arrive at the at the at the cells lining the duodenum is a probably forty percent digested product, chyme, C-H-Y-M-E. So the work there is not that much. But if everything I'm eating has had all the enzymes removed, what's arriving there is going to require that my pancreas and my small intestines work extra hard. And what happens when things work extra hard? They get enlarged. It's called hypertrophy. We do that on purpose for our muscles. So,
0: so you mean from by, by eating cooked food, you're
1: adding extra stress on your digestive system? And it becomes hypertrophied, mm. enlarged, and inefficient. You don't want an enlarged heart. You don't want an enlarged thyroid. You want enlarged muscles, but you, up to a point. If your muscles were so big, you couldn't. You'd have to hire someone to clean you off when you went to the toilet. Yeah. Right. You had, you couldn't tie your shoes. So there's a point at which you reach inefficiency, and that's what happens. So we haven't. So when they've done experiments with animals, cooked versus uncooked, the cooks have enlarged, uh, inefficient pancreas, enlarged, inefficient. Uh, small intestines etc so um yeah so that's just steaming it and there's a great study you,
0: yeah because you're adding um uh, you're adding heat to it right i mean i i've, I've done some work in chiang mai a part of the, these products and i'm working with some guys and they're dealing with uh, freeze drying techniques on on uh supplements so yeah. they take stuff from the mountains and then mm-hmm. they, they use a, a refrigeration technology actually they're one of the only in the world that do it and what happens is by using freeze drying techniques and turning the, the supplements into powder, like ginger and turmeric and, and whatnot in uh, Amalaki, you don't break down the enzyme tail. Mm-hmm. It's it molecular. The structure of like, let's say the mitochondrion itself does not break down. And you can look at it under a microscope between, uh, let's say I, I did a freeze drying technique technique to let's not a cold press, but, uh, adding heat to turn it into powder. Uh, and they yeah, put they, that on. It's two different things. Exactly. It's two different things. So, uh, uh, back- heat
1: heat is in chemistry is called an endothermic chemical reaction. Mm. It's no longer the same thing.
0: You've destroyed the enzyme. Right. You've destroyed the nutrition. Right.
1: It's no longer the same. So when you when you when you go to the chef, and if you were to to get samples of all the food prior to cooking, look at it with an electron microscope, and then after you've got different substances. You've you've gone through a chemical experiment. So now, but so so, but but I'm saying just with steaming and boiling. Because we know that enzymes lose their tertiary structure at uh, 119, 118 um, Fahrenheit and um, um, 47 uh, centigrade, they permanently lose it. If you go up to 43 and then back down, like dehydrating, right? It it gets it loses it for a while, but it's restored. But after that, it's permanently. So we know if that's so. We know if boiling is two twelve or one hundred centigrade or two twelve Fahrenheit. It's permanently gone. You've lost the enzymes. But cook, grilling, frying, bra- baking, anything like that. Now, on top of having dead food, you now have carcinogenic substances, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is so. In other words, that's why we still had cancer back in those days. That's why we still had those things, you know. And that's why. But now it's just that we have. Yeah, I mean twinkies is uh, hot dogs and whatever. It's not it's not it's not even close to food. So
0: so the question was uh, let's say if we even predated that to 12,000 years ago. or I, I, how far, I'm not sure how far we would have to go back till we invented fire 30 40 40,000 years ago maybe? discovered it, yeah. Maybe something like this so pre pre pre-fire when we had to eat raw, even raw meat, raw vegetables. Um if that was your diet would you need to do these like
1: um uh ep- um no. uh, uh these coli- or colonics no. Yeah any type no. of colonics no. you no. wouldn't need to no and even but even now but even let's say even back 100 200 years ago most people uh, uh it was only the wealthy who could afford to have all of these specially special dishes right uh but the average person probably ate a lot of leaves and a lot of uh, grains and stuff uh, the, you know, the poor people, the farmers, and things like that. And when we look at the deaths, they lived longer, right? A uh, hundred years ago in the U.S., 0.5%, 05 half of 1% had cancer. Mm. Today, one out of two men, one out of three women. So if it were genetic, every one of our grandparents, or at least the one of e- one of each grandparent should have had one of each pair of grandparents should have had cancer. If one out of two men, one out of three. because So you can see it's not genetic, obviously.
0: But isn't this going to destroy society as we know it? Because it's now it's going to become genetic. Uh, meaning, like, as, okay, let's say my ancestors 500 years ago, they w- were cancer-free, essentially. And then in the past 100, 150 years, because of the diet, um, cancer... Uh, uh, there, there's a book, it's called uh, uh, the Gene Theory... Oh. I have it downstairs. Um, But it's about, uh, it's more about genetics and it's explaining that you do pass that down through lineage. So my point is that because of this, our our new diet, that's very synthetic, um, maybe my grandparents, they did have cancer. Um, They survived, but now they're, they're, they are getting cancer and they're going to now pass that down. But maybe prior to them, it didn't really exist.
1: Well, there's some epigenetic modifications that are passed down. However... It's not that you get a gene to produce cancer because cancer is an adaptive response. Cancer is simply loss. When you lose a a certain percentage of mitochondria and you can no longer produce energy in that way, which is called oxidative phosphorylation, you go into a fail-safe mode of energy production called fermentation or glycolysis. Okay, so a chronically fermenting cell is a cancer cell. That's what it is. So then the genetic changes are downstream epiphenomenon. They're things that happen to accommodate this new metabolic requirement of fermentation. So this gene turns on, this gene turns off. So now that it can accommodate, that's what cancer is. So um, so, um, so, there's no gene. So when we, for example, you look at the BRCA genes, which Angelina Jolie made, made famous, the BRCA genes for breast cancer, ovarian cancer, things like that. It's not a gene for cancer. It's a failure in DNA repair, double-stranded DNA repair, right, that you get from one one parent or the other. Um, but that's, that's what they inherited. And these are very rare. So less than 5% of the cancers have some sort of genetic mm. failure to repair some sort of mutation that occurs. But the point is this. Even if you have the BRCA gene, you're Angelina Jolie, and you're born with, you got it from one parent, but we have two chromosomes, two sets of chromosomes, So Therefore, the other one is not. So you're not a full-on BRCA. Yeah. Okay, so how do you prevent a mutation today, which is called somatic instead of an inherited mutation? A somatic means it occurs today in your life. How does it occur? From your lifestyle. So what should you do? What should Angelina Jolie have done? Live a healthy life. Now, what if you're not BRCA and you're not Angelina Jolie? What should you do? live a healthy life. So in other words, it doesn't change. Because you could still de- develop it through, through oh, yeah. What psychology. Right. Because we know that breast cancers, a very small percentage are BRCA. So that all the other women that are getting at it were not BRCA. So you can't look at genes and you can't, and, do, and they use that because if it's your genes, there's only one place you can go to the guys who, the saviors are the doctors and the pharmaceutical companies. Mm. They're going to fix you. Yeah, I
0: actually, I wrote, down um because my my mom had stage 3 breast cancer 15 years ago she's fine now but i she t- I, she wrote it down cuz i um, there's not a chance i'm going to remember it um so she said she had stage 3c breast cancer 11 out of 25 nodes and she was doing uh post double mx dose dense chemo ac 30 rounds of radiation with a bolus, then naturopathic medicine for two years on zometa infusions, hmm. yeah, there's not a chance I was going to remember right, that. Right, right so she was telling that, and that's because she said in uh, one of our genes, we have the h n p c c hereditary non polycystic, and she I'm supposed to go get- t- tested for that I think it's to, uh possibly it can lead to a type of colon cancer
1: poly- non yeah poly-, poly yeah, so yeah. she
0: said, I'm supposed to test for yeah. that, so based on what we're talking about. If I have that gene then do I need to be, be extra ex- careful? Extra careful? Uh, yeah,
1: cuz hereditary polyposis is one of the uh genetic ones that predispose. It's just what it means is that you get uh you have a much you you because of a the a defect in a gene, you get these polyps in your colon. Okay. And the polyps can become carcin- they become can become cancer just because because what happens is they are um, uh, they become sites, foci of uh, inflammation. They become inflammatory, and anything chronic inflammation, anything that's chronically inflamed for a long time, becomes cancer. That's what you know.
0: Cancer is a wound that didn't heal.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, any
0: anything like at that chronic inflammation site, I mean, you, what, what would be uh the answer to to following up on that would it just be regular checkups once a year to check for that gene to see if first to see if i have the gene and if you do then every year you kind
1: of have to monitor it well no, i wouldn't even do that i would i wouldn't do that i would assume i would say okay i do uh or okay i don't e- either way you i would live as healthy as possible because either way you're going to do it you need to do it if you don't have the gene you still need to leave because you're um your risk of cancer is, uh, are you American? Canadian. Canadian. So you're still about one, you still have about a 40, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I grew up eating garbage.
1: One out of two yeah. chance of become, getting cancer. Anyway, now, yeah, if you don't, don't have the gene.
0: I've, I've eaten, I've been quite healthy for the past 10 years, but I mean, prior to that living in Canada... I mean, you grow up on grilled cheese sandwiches with ketchup and macaroni. That was their staple. Exactly. And you don't know any better. Your mom serves right, it, too. Exactly. Now, there, I'm sure there were some mothers at that time that understood it. But am I, I'm 1985, so I'm 35. So I'm going to school in the 90s. I, 80% of the people were eating snack pats at lunch and white yeah. bread and processed meats. That's just what it was that then. Was, yeah. That was food. That was food. Yeah. And we, you didn't know any better. You didn't think about it. Yeah. Didn't think about it. So, I mean, that can be concerning. But I also, you said something that all of our genes and our entire body rejuvenates every seven years anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So every, you're kind of shedding that is, is that still valid or should you still be, be careful because of the shitty diet you had as a kid?
1: Well, here's the thing. If you remember the way, if, if we go back to aging, what I think aging is my, is that the accumulation of waste, that waste is acute. In other words, not only do our, 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 our majors, uh, systems of elimination, urine, kidneys, uh, bowels, skin, lungs, you know, not only those, but just our metabolic processes as they accumulate because we don't cleanse. And I'll talk about cleansing in a minute. We don't cleanse. These metabolic wastes accumulate and the toxic wastes accumulate. They accumulate, when they start, accumulate to, to a certain degree in our endocrine organs, pituitary, thyroid, testes, or, uh, ovaries adrenal glands etc then our hormones decline mm-hmm. is when we see aging okay, so aging is first uh, okay. the waste accumulation which then is followed by hormone decline and then you see aging but that's going to happen naturally anyways over what 900 years maybe mm. if you were living a life that was where you were mi- having all of your biological needs met we don't know what our uh, potential is we have no idea but as we know for sure it's a minimum of 160, 180. We know, we know of people that have lived to 200, 236, so it's not it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, not, it's not what it is. So in other words, we have a very successful premature aging and premature death program in Western worlds. And we've ex- we've metastasized to the rest of the world.
0: When, when did we we split from that? At, at which year? I mean, uh, you have to go back a thousand years, two thousand years, when this uh, concept of living to one hundred and fifty was feasible. Um, was there like a, a milestone, a pinpoint, like due
1: to diet, to lifestyle, where that changed? Well, there was. There were more. And more there were more people that uh, lived this way before. The I'd have to take you back to prehistory, and that's another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> prehistory because I, I mean I've studied it.
0: Yeah, you're talking about his 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 story, history. Who wrote the books? There's probably a whole. I'm, his- talking
1: about, I'm talking about civilizations before ours. Oh yeah,
0: I can go. I've been. I've been. I can go. I can have that conversation down the Graham Han- Hancock route. If you're familiar, right, right, right. With him. That's right, that's all. Right. That's right. a. Graham. I just read his newest book, uh, America Before. Um, mm. It's very dry so I had to switch to the audio. Tape. Well, he's
1: dry, he gets dry.
0: Yeah. Very dry. I got talk I had about giants.
1: Did it talk uh, about it?
0: he talked yeah, he talked about giants. The American the history, it's more about um, Serpent Mound in the US mm-hmm. and um, basically and it's not pseudoscience to ex- extent. At the very end it does get very woo-woo and I'll explain that quick. I explained it to Wade when he was on here. But um, basically the 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 premise of the the book is he's trying to explain that There were probably civilizations in North America, South America, beyond mainstream media of what we understood when we crossed the Bering Strait. They said they could have came from the Polynesians and they could have come from boats by following, uh, you know, just following the land borders around. And they could have ended up in, he thinks, the Amazon jungle. And then all throughout the U.S. you find these different mounds and holy sites or burial sites that are, they could be 10,000 years old. He's He even puts it back as 120,000 years. He's not quite sure how to date it. But that was because in the Amazon in Brazil, at that time, it was four or five centigrade less. Meaning, instead of now, it's on average 27, 28. Back then, it was like 21. So it was livable. There could have been civilizations. I mean, there's statues back there as far back as the Olmecs, and we still don't even know what that is. But they have that Polynesian-African look, <laughs> Which makes no sense, and I'm kind of going off on a bit of a tangent, but uh, trying to get as much out as quick as possible. Um, And it even goes back to the Inca, and they said, a lot of those Aztec temples, they said, we didn't build, or sorry, the Aztec, we didn't build this. Mm -hmm. The Inca come in and say, the Olmecs, we didn't build this. Mm -hmm. Machu Picchu, or not Machu Picchu, but other uh, places up in Peru. Tiwanaka. Tiwanaka, they go, we didn't build this. This is here way before one,
1: And you can't explain it. We have 300, 400-ton, yeah. you know, in a, like a jigsaw puzzle. Correct. So vertically. that's
0: kind of his premise of the book. Again, very dry. It's right, a 16-hour right. well, audio.
1: That's the problem. He's dry.
0: He's very dry. He's so dry. At but the ver- I'll just wrap it up. At the very, very end, I think it's his last book, to be honest. I think that's he was going out, so he kind of dropped the bomb. And he basically says... We don't know where this came from. Yes, there were civilizations. We don't know what they are. Again, it could be 120,000 years ago. It could be 20,000. It's very difficult to date. But his point is, he says, these structures that we don't understand how they moved and his conclusion, and he does it in the last like five minutes of the book. He says, it's not telekinesis. It's telos. I'm missing the word. I'm 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 making a mistake there. But he's basically saying, the only way this worked is human minds had to move heavy blocks around by the mind
1: telekinesis
0: yeah. telekine uh, it's a different word because telekinesis is reading the mind there's an, a different word well, to telepathy
1: it. is telekinesis kinesis oh is okay it is yeah. tele- telekinesis yeah.
0: and that's his conclusion at the end of the book whether that's true or not i don't know because it's too hard for my mind to even understand mm. so um that that yeah that was the i, I guess we, we went way down a different mm-hmm. rabbit hole there um on the because you didn't want to get into the depth of human um, civilization because it's another podcast. Pre, so. pre. Pre.
1: Pre. pre but, yeah. but, but there were different civilizations. And, and, um, and I can, I'll, I, you know, we should do that too because the, it, it's not unknown. It's just, it's very little known. But there was.
0: When do you think we uh, are originated from? As, as When do you think, okay, so modern, modern day history says Egypt. That's 5000 5, BC. In the, I'm talking about in the history books in school. But obviously,
1: there's more information yeah. behind it.
0: Or, I mean, Babylonian, Assyrian, Babylonian, I believe. But we can go back a step further where they talk about, like... Well,
1: Sumerians. Uh, we go to Sumer. Okay, okay
0: sorry. So, Sumerians. But then if you, take, if you leave that and go to Maine and go to pseudoscience, essentially, you go back to 12,000 BC, and they talk about, like, Globeki-Tepi... And uh, there's a very interesting um, uh, pyramid in Indonesia outside of Jakarta. Uh, Graham Hancock goes there with Robert Schock. They only touch on it a little bit, but they date that thing back 20,000 years, which not through carbon dating, just from digging. It's this deep. Mm -hmm. This is the only way this can exist. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um,
1: there was a guy in England in the 1880s and he was trained he was a British guy and he was trained he went to India and he lived he was working with these villages and in India they have people called rishis and rishis are rishi or reiki master rishi rishi r-i-s-h-i okay and they are uh kind of like the uh, elders and they and they they carry the traditions and anyway there was this one group where they had they practiced the language they had this language that they that, 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 that they had rituals where they would speak this language and they would read certain things and he wound up staying there for like 10 15 years and he and he became friends he said, "Well, what are you why are you doing this he goes because because there's these books so that we don't forget how to read these books and he goes well why don't you read one well, no, that's not our job. Our job is just know how to how to read it. He goes, well, let's read one. Anyway, he learned it with them. They wound up reading these books, which they were were ancient, ancient books. Now,
0: are they rewriting them through time because of you know the, the material could degrade? They have
1: to keep, or is it is it the original book? I think I think it was the original book. I I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, uh, it talked about uh, the land of Mu. And Mu comes from Lemuria, the land of Lemuria. And the civilization, as far as he could tell from the writings, went back probably around at least 800,000 years. Mm. And he studied this one book that they allowed him to read over and over again. When he left, he went down to New Zealand, the Maori, And he went up and he spent his whole life and he found out that there was, he found the similarities along the the west coast of South America and all the islands, all of the islands up to Japan, why it's called the land of the rising sun, all of the things he found out that all of that and all of Asia are the descendants of Mu, the descendants of this civilization, this great civilization. And there's this one island that is a mind boggling island to let you know exactly it's called um can't remember the name of it. Where is it located? It's in the Pacific, it's about a hundred miles. Like Easter Island? No. No. It's like a hundred kilometers off the coast of Luzon, Philippines. It's a man made island made out of spun basalt mm. and which is iron, which may which is magnetic. <clears throat> And what they did was, and this still exists today. yeah, yeah. you could visit it's, this, yeah, it's mm-hmm. called... Uh,
0: so it's between the Philippines and Taiwan,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if it,
0: but Taiwan maybe like yeah Ta- maybe. Taiwan's a bit, uh, just north of like uh, the northern tip of Philippines
1: right, but and I don't know where it's out ah, yeah okay, okay, I see yeah. What you mean. Yep. Yeah, which way it's out um, but anyway, it's a man-made island. Now, just to give you an idea of the understanding of this, their knowledge. So, whereas with our knowledge, we build machines that are destructive and have waste and produce waste. So, what their knowledge was, they understood that weather was electromagnetic in nature. They understood that. This spun basalt... So normally if you have your if you hold the compass over a basalt, it'll have head and it'll it'll it's, it'll give you north south on the earth. When you hold it over this island, it goes because it's spun. In addition, they built it with they had there's a pools of these eels, electronic eels that you have electricity. The eels are
0: with on the island, kind of are in in this cap, large cap, area, cap, captivated. Well, no,
1: they come in through the um, underneath. There's like yeah ways for them to come in, right? And they come in and they they mate there and they do things. So there's a lot of them there. They kind of congregate there. However, they attracted them there. They did, but they spun this stuff like this. So every year, when the hurricanes and uh, whatever it was would hit the Philippines and wipe out everything. When the hurricanes, or whatever they are, came over this island, it diffused it,
2: mm.
1: and there's a, there was like 100 kilometers, maybe 300 kilometers, I don't know, part of the island that didn't get storms, and it became, it was called the rice basket, the rice bowl of Asia, it fed all of Asia. It was one part of Asia that didn't get the storms. Now, this is not a naturally occurring... In other words, so this is how the mentality of that civilization manipulated nature by using natural phenomenon instead of what we do. How, how big is this island approximately? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. It's called... Na- na-
0: but, I mean, it, it's, so it still exists. Madal. Pe- people could look this up they could have technically it if they right. wanted right or right. is it is it all is it kind of off limits from like
1: uh the government i'm not even sure nowadays yeah. but but if you want to read about it uh and read this whole story so that you see the, the 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 uh the continuity in the maori up to the japanese yeah and all everyone in between which is what you were talking about um um and it's Lemuria. It's the land of Mu. You think it, it was like a, almost
0: like a not a peninsula, but a strait. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. giant strait. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Now, um, the other culture. Um, and and mean Plato, who I mean, who wasn't a dummy. He went back and he talks about uh, Atlantis. Uh, Atlantis. he but he as, does as being real, not not as speculation. But
0: he but he also he's saying that like it could be seven thousand years before his right, time, right, right,
1: very right, very old. Right, right. It was another civilization. Yeah, and that one is the one that went and became Europe, mm. and the Lemurians became this. But anyway, when we're talking about these people, the, uh, the, 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 the way I could get it is that probably Lemuria was probably anywhere from a million to 800,000 years, and it came in, it probably ended around 40,000 years ago, and Atlantis kind of picked up, and then Atlantis kind of ended, and apparently, apparently, there is a record of, and I forget what it is, 1186 B.C., there was the record of the of a meteor, and I think Graham Hancock even talks about that in yeah. fingerprints. But that ended Atlantis. That was it. And, uh, but anyway, that seeded it, and they became Sumerian, Sumeria, which Sumeria <coughs> became. In fact, when you go back, there's a there's a uh, all the stories that we have in our Bibles are ancient Sumerian stories that existed before. They had a flood, they had a Noah, they had... Well,
0: that's what they say, the flood was probably... That's Graham Hancock goes back behind that. There's stories of the flood everywhere in the world. It probably happened 12,000 BC, and that's science. I mean, the the, the, the ice caps melted, this is what happened. And it's the only thing that even makes sense on a lot of these places where you have megalithic structures, like up in... Well, that other uh,
1: book he had, The Underground... Uh, I mean, off uh, the ocean, right? Remember? Oh,
0: that—that's the one with where he's scuba diving in Japan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But it's—it's basically saying like the the most interesting part of it all is when he goes up to these the megalithic structures up in uh, Peru, not Peru, Bolivia, Bolivia or Peru, um, um, or even Ecuador. Anyways, way up in the mountains, and those megalithic structures are destroyed, meaning the water levels would have had to come so high, thousands of feet and it would have just wiped everything. Yeah. And that's kind of the premise behind it. Um, there's a little bit of pseudoscience, but there is also data and facts being mm-hmm. like 100%. The ice caps melted. Mm-hmm. They know it's could be from either meteors or uh, 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 from, uh, from the sun. Mm. That's what Robert Schock thinks. He thinks mm. probably between, I think, 12,000 B.C. or sorry, 12,000 years ago, so like 10,000 B.C., About 5000 BC, there could have been um, sun lightning storms for thousands of years Mm -hmm. where the sun was just shooting off electricity, which would have caused people possibly to go underground. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Robert Shock, of all people, he's not into the pseudoscience. He's telling you, like, well, this is the only way this stuff could Mm -hmm. actually happen. So,
1: well, anyway, and they dated, I think back, they dated the Sphinx as being at least. Because twelve thousand, yeah,
0: oh, they even date it back to twenty six. Yeah, 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 because um, of the lion structure mm-hmm. that it aligns with the stars of Leo, exactly, which only existed twenty six thousand yeah. yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 and and they also and they also and maybe and you know what, a lot of Joe Rogan, Joe, Graham Hancock, a lot of people have listened to that, so this is not new for anyone listening. Um, but they, that's exactly what in America. Uh, the new America or the undiscovered America. Graham Hancock's new book. He does discuss that, saying that well, you need to understand if Brazil, twelve thousand years ago or twenty thousand years ago in the rainforest was twenty-one centigrade. You also have to understand that in the not the Gobi, the Serengeti was a forest, a rainforest. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. the planet was completely different mm-hmm. back then.
1: Right. Well, but the the uh, remember the the ridges on the on the on the back end of the uh, of the sphinx. sphinx yeah it's from water erosion right. it was Only from impossible. torrential rain torrential yeah. rain and the last time there was torrential rain there was 12,000 12,000 years, years ago.
0: ago and that's what they showed all the geologists right I mean, and they said they didn't show the sphinx they showed the rock side yeah, they yeah. said what is what is this where where do you what, what do you think happened okay. every single one says it's from rain right and then they show it's Tor- the torrent, sphinx yeah, yeah. the what well, the question that always bothers me is like why what is the agenda what is the motivation behind mainstream media science ge- geology uh archaeology you know uh, um to deny these facts cuz because they do is control,
1: it- control and if you and if you know look at it, it's very uh telling that every time there was a conquer a uh, some, somebody conquered they would burn their libraries the libraries at alexandria were burned you know <clears throat> Now supposedly there's a library underneath the Sphinx. Yeah, I've heard right? that. As you know, well. and um, and the Vatican and right. So yeah. who knows? We don't. We don't have access to what they do and and why. You know, because knowledge is power. So to have control of the knowledge and the truth keeps us enslaved. And what was the Dark Ages? Nobody knew how. You know what took us out of the Dark Ages? The plague. A guy named Gutenberg. Okay. He invented the printing press. Ah. When the printing press was made they started to make books the first book they made was the bible and that is that brought from then got the renaissance its knowledge cuz you're spreading information at a rapid rate well prior to that only the only the clergy and the royalty would read nobody else could read it was an illiterate world or and remember this when we're talking about the world we're talking about europe asians are different you know chinese were highly literate and doing all sorts of stuff um, so we're talking about a, a European, where we are, our people come from. Um, the Europeans were the the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages were uh, they were all illiterate. To control so knowledge, sure. so they took it away. So yeah. we had no knowledge. Then knowledge once 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 books started becoming, then we got the Renaissance and everything. Yeah. Okay, I think uh, I don't know any
0: other better segue for this, but. Um, going back into your, your expertise in oncology, I listened to and 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 anyone watching this, we discussed before the podcast. We're sorry, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of the current situation. Uh, we both want to stay in Thailand, so that's it. Um, so we're not going to go down that hole. Uh, but we'll we'll try to go down a, a different hole that is um, uh, conspiracy theory, a bit of pseudoscience. But at least we we have. And it, an educated physician to give a background it's not me and talise throwing information back and forth that's complete nonsense based on what we watched on youtube or read so i, I want to jump in the science behind this um understanding how uh wi-fi electromagnetic frequencies affect our body and how does that correlate to illness
1: you know if it's first important instructive to understand that uh Everything in the universe is frequencies, right? So, oh, so let's fix this. So for example, if um um if you look at the periodic table of elements, you have hydrogen, then you have helium, then you have lithium, and it goes on and on and on. You know, oxygen is number eight, and it goes like that. All that's happening with each element is that there's one more proton, one more electron, one more neutron. So they're just adding those. But they sp- the the way they relate to each other. The electrons flying around the neutron and the proton uh, uh, results in a certain frequency, and those frequencies are like fingerprints. So that's why an astronomer can look up at um, a distant distant star, millions of light years away, look at its the the, the wavelength and be able to tell you it's made seventy percent of this, thirty percent of helium, twenty percent hydrogen, because that's what these are these are uh, the frequencies. So everything is frequencies. Light is frequency. Sound is frequency. Our atoms are frequencies, and we're made up of all that. So therefore, if you understand that that's what physical reality is, is it's it's, it's frequencies, then you understand that how by adding frequencies you can either, um, you know, augment, or or or, or the opposite, um, diminish incoherent frequencies right this is the term you're saying
0: incoherent where it's like our frequencies um they're not aligning so it's almost like uh they're becoming disturbed yeah 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 yeah. so if if our bodies are running on a certain certain frequency uh i'm not sure what that number is in terms of you can measure that in like kilohertz gigahertz or megahertz or it goes up and up up even up towards your your gamma rays and x-rays i'm not sure what we're running on but if the frequency from, let's say, your Wi-Fi um, or your 4G or 5G or cell phone is uh, at a different frequency, it will be incoherent, and this is going to cause disturbance
1: within our, our, our system and can lead to illness? Well, yeah. Th- well, there's there's actually some specific things. What we do know that Wi-Fi does is um, we know that it <clears throat> the frequencies of 4G and Wi-Fi, what they do is they actually... Paralyze what are called the voltage-gated calcium channels, and voltage and, and what the reason that's important is because all cells have sodium channels, potassium channels, calcium channels, you know things like that, that are important for the functioning. Well, calcium is extremely important. Um, so they're voltage-gated, meaning that they, they the 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 gate they open and close, they open and g- depending on voltage. Um, but these are paralyzed with four G and Wi Fi, and once they're paralyzed. Then calcium flies into the cell at at the at a rate of one million molecules per second. When calcium enters into a cell and it runs into, um, um what is it that it runs into?
0: Like uh, the actual like molecular structure. Right. It, r-
1: no, it runs into. Uh, uh, I can't, I can't remember the chemical it runs into, but when it runs into it, it starts to, pr- the, the reaction is that it produces what are called peroxynitrates and hydroxyl radicals. And okay. those actually destroy the cell. So, um, and w- what is the side
0: effect? What what can that lead to in terms of illness? Does it lead to cancers? Can it lead to uh, other types of diseases? Well,
1: well you guys, where are the, we have the most calcium channels? We actually have most of them on our heart our nerves, right? So this can lead to, um, so what we're seeing is nerve damage, heart damage, right? A uh, 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 Cardiac arrhythmias and, and, and things like that, heart attacks, heart cardiac arrhythmias, fibrillation, um, but nerve damage and brain damage. So we're seeing, we've seen like about a 1200% increase in brain tumors um, and uh, neurological problems. And also it, it affects your, your, just your thinking, your ability to think. Um, now, the reason that they know this is true, a hundred percent sure that that's exactly the mechanism, is that um, there is a drug. There's a class of drugs we use for high blood pressure called calcium channel blockers. Okay, because if you can block the channel, if you can block the calcium from entering, then because th- the calcium goes into the cell and makes it uh, makes it contract. So if you can is block, this that similar thing, to like statins, or that's a different kind of drug. Completely different. So the calcium channel blockers will block will block it and make the cells w- so in other words your, your 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 cells aren't working that hard so the pressure comes down okay so they're called calcium channel blockers. So what they did was they took animals and they exposed them to lethal doses of EMF
0: of electromagnetic my, frequency. My, my, yeah.
1: Uh, and gave half of them calcium channel blockers and the other half not. The ones with the calcium channel blockers had no effect. The other ones died. Mm-hmm. And they've done this multiple times. So we know that to be true. So, um, um, now, our body uh, and, and the, the buildup of hydroxyl radical, which I talked about earlier with um, metabolic byproducts that build up, uh, waste that builds up during the day, um, is so important to um, neutralize that in our gut, we produce about 10 liters a day of molecular hydrogen. Mm. And molecular hydrogen is hydrogen gas, H2, Okay. Now, when H2 uh, enters the cell, and you understand hydrogen is the smallest atom, the smallest known thing in the universe, okay? Mm. The hydrogen ion, uh, uh, atom. But when the two atoms come together, you have H2, so it's therefore the smallest molecule in in the universe. And so it doesn't need channels or anything. It can pass in and out of all cells. Mm -hmm. So we produce this. And some of it comes out, as we all know, but a lot of it, uh, most of it goes into the cell. Now, when hydrogen runs into a hydroxyl radical, which is OH negative, and it is the most damaging of, it's, it's the one that causes all the problems we have, including aging and everything. Hydrogen hits an OH, it turns it into H2O water. So it's a specific antioxidant. Instead of a generalized antioxidant, it's a specific antioxidant. It enters cells. So that's not enough, though. That 10 liters of, of molecular hydrogen was enough when we were living a natural life, mm. a healthy life and going to bed. Da, 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 da. Now that we're living in this and we're exposed to even more, and now we're having our calcium channels blocked and all that. Um, so anyway, that's one. If, if anyone's interested in how to, how can I mitigate the... Uh, yeah, if, what,
0: what could we do to protect ourselves from even like, you know... The, uh, your Wi-Fi but, but beyond just switching to um, Ethernet, Ethernet because Ethernet. I mean sometimes if you're in a giant a large hotel I mean I, I read some stuff you were saying about copper blankets and yeah. being able to block from the 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 radiation or the Wi-Fi signal entering the room but uh, people in busy lives you go to restaurants you go to cafes yeah, whatever it's get away. Im- you can't get, away. can't get away so what and you go outside now with 4G towers and 5g towers and again, this isn't this 5G conspiracy bullshit. This is we're trying to find some actual science. evidence from science behind it all. So, what can people do to mitig- mitigate that risk?
1: Well, actually, you can get molecular hydrogen and make it. Um, you can get there. Are, there are little. You can get little uh, kind of machine uh, where you put the. Uh, it makes it out of water, and you can do this, um, or you can order online these tablets where you 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 take a bottle a glass bottle of water drinkable water potable water you drop it in close it and it'll bubble it'll start to bubble when it when when it's all fizzed out then you drink it right away cuz it'll go away and if you mm. can and you can drink enough of this throughout the day this will neutralize specifically the effects from 4G okay not 5G but 4G
0: it's an inhibitor for from like the this
1: uh, calcium, uh, um, the calcium-induced pro- uh, hydroxyl radical, mm-hmm. which is at the end peroxynitrates, and then hydroxyl OH negative. No, it goes the high the the molecular hydrogen goes into the cell, and when it mixes with wh- when H two hits OH negative, you wind up with two H two O's. Okay, Water. it's nature's way of neutralizing something. There's no garbage. There's no waste. There's no secondary metabolite. It just turns. It just becomes water. Mm. So in other words, it's the cleanest way. It's not. It's not. There's no. There's nothing else. So uh, molecular hydrogen probably is the most specific way of doing it. Other than that, you just want to de- decrease your exposure if you can. Uh, like you were saying, you can get Faraday blankets, Faraday cage. Um, you gotta, I, I were I have Faraday gloves that were What I, what
0: is Faraday Faraday just is it's like an infused like copper material or? It's, it's
1: copper or any kind of conductive ma- material that if it's in parallel enough of it it's absor- conducting, absorbing it, it blocks it when, when the <clears throat> when the EMF hits it, it 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 can't pass
0: so but before we, we started this this part I I, I listened to your, your what you thought of it and I, I had the same opinion as well but I think it's fair as well that we need to play devil's advocate and I've done the research and trying to understand um okay what is the flip side of the st- story and a lot of people will come out and say no 5G 4G Wi-Fi it does not lead to any uh, illnesses this is all bullshit right. um you can go online and watch some YouTube videos on that and I was explaining before we we went to air that I I've done that research and there was a there's an article or a YouTube video, but it's sponsored by the Guardian News, and basically what they say is there is a protocol or a committee in charge called, and I wrote this down, the ICNIRP, which stands for the International Committee for Non-Iodized Something Something Something. Okay, now what this committee is saying is they dictate what is acceptable in emf mm-hmm. and people I, I think let them do their own research on the e, the emf scale would mm-hmm. we call it essentially mm-hmm. from like low level frequencies all the way up to x-rays gamma rays where mm-hmm. which they are quite dangerous for us mm-hmm. but they've dictated this scale and they say well wi-fi it doesn't fall on this scale that can harm you um but it's still around like uh, i believe like 60, I want to say 60 kilohertz or or 60 megahertz. It is still quite high and it's getting very close to x-ray gamma ray. The point of this is that they're saying that, well, no, it's not on the scale. Well, yeah, they dictate the scale of what's safe. So they've set set the standard. Um, And then as you get into that, it goes even a step deeper. There's a company, I believe the Guardian is the UK, and it says, well, no, there's a study done by Ofcom. And Ofcom is the managing uh, for all telecom companies, like the, the program or protocol or whatever for all companies in the UK. Well, that, that's where it threw it off to me. Because, well, of course they're going to say that. And, of course, they're going to set the standard. And to make this, it's a bit long-winded, but back to the point is, what is acceptable for us on this EMF scale to live by? Because do we also, do we not uh, absorb radiation from the sun? Or mm-hmm. is that complete... Uh, Cockamania. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, and also, do we not absorb a lot of radiation when we fly?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, when you get above thirty thousand feet, you're. That's when you need to be making liquid um, um, molecular hydrogen.
0: And do you do this for yourself when flying? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You can
1: get the pill and drop it in. Drink it. Uh, I don't fly anymore. I used to fly a lot. Yeah. But yeah, above thirty thousand feet, then you then then you really need it. And plus vitamin C. Vitamin C is very important. For neutralizing, uh, you know, you understand my vitamin C is uh, what they call a reducing agent uh, or, an, or an antioxidant. It donates electrons, so it, it quenches free radicals, um, where the molecular hydrogen goes intracellularly mm. and quenches the free radicals inside. The vitamin C will get it in your blood, outside, and then the, hydro- the liquid the molecular hydrogen will get inside the cell and quench it. Um, but, uh, so, so, you know... The truth is, um, what is the safe range? There's, We've exceeded that. We live in an unsafe... There's no long... It's like, at this point, nothing... You can't even walk the streets. Right. Now. You can't get away from it. So now it's completely defensive mode. You've got to be taking vitamin C. You've got to be taking vitamin E and vitamin A. These are the big ones, okay? Yeah. And when you, get, when you get the vitamin A, get the mixed carotenoids... And when you get the vitamin E, you get the mixed to- tocopherols because vitamin E's are called tocopherols. <clears throat> and you get the mixed ones, you know, the alpha, beta, gamma, the same with the carotenoids, and vitamin C. Because vitamin. So if you got all of those, then you're getting... Um, and this is I, just
0: I, prevention medicine. Right. And you're also saying, I was reading, you're saying zinc, vitamin D, and f- I want to say flavonoids? Right, right,
1: right, flavonoids. Flavonoids. Right. So, uh, you know, zinc and vitamin D are... Just very important, but also selenium. I would say selenium. So what I take is I take manganese, which is a magne- mineral. Yes. Manganese, magnesium, um, selenium, boron, magne- I said magnesium, right. vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin E, vitamin D. And and and,
0: uh, and not a mixed vitamin. You're taking all different pills. Like we're all different ones, They're yeah. all like <clears throat> concentrated. Of concentrated,
1: that. right. Mm. And only because I live in such an artificial world but in a, and if I was in a natural setting, then I get all that I need from the food, right? Yep. But, but in our setting, we just don't, we, we can't get... Um we can't get enough
0: and that's just to protect ourselves and i was reading on one of your, your uh, i guess i will call it a protocol uh, about uh the current situation from a year ago actually this is a really good video again we can't talk about it go check out dr thomas Lodi's youtube account there's a video from about a year about a year ago on the current situation it's an hour and a half there's a lot of information on the preventative uh medicine you should be taking also what to do for your lifestyle and a whole back ground story of the current situation uh go check that out i watched the whole thing uh earlier today to kind of prep myself for this this interview but he made a good point as to why we should not talk about it so we're not going to but um back to the uh, i was reading about that protocol it, you were saying oh, what was it like 15 8 to 15 grams of vitamin c a day you're taking this much yeah 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 so if i'm not mistaken wh- wh- I, I take vitamin c so um I take vitamin C, magnesium, zinc, vitamin B complex. Mm. Uh, I take uh, lion's mane. I take a different type of nootropic. I'll show you later. Mm. Um, I take uh, zinc. Maybe I mentioned that, reishi and some other mushroom stuff, supplements and pine pollen. I don't know. I feel like I get a testosterone boost, which I don't think it's actually that's what it's doing. Anyways, the point is the vitamin C, I'm taking one pill a day. And one pill is a thousand milligram. You're selling, saying, "You're is that that's correct, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 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 taking eight to fifteen pills of vitamin C per day,
1: gram. Yeah, yeah, you're taking what you're taking one
0: thousand one gram. One gram, yeah. So one pill is a gram, right? So are you taking are you are you taking it by
1: IV? No, no, orally. So you're
0: taking you're taking eight to fifteen pills of vitamin C per day. Yeah, and you take it throughout the day. Throughout the day, um.
1: Otherwise, you'll get diarrhea. Yeah, there's
0: there's a certain isn't there a certain threshold like at which point your body cannot absorb any more vitamin C? That's I've read online that the body cannot absorb more than two thousand milligrams or two grams. Well, no, it's per
1: in time, but over like so. The best way to do it, the easiest way to do it, is to get a pure vitamin C powder. Okay, pure.
0: Where where could they get that in, in living in Thailand?
1: Uh, you have to go. You have to go online. I, I'm not sure if Iherb has it. I order it myself from through the U.S. But um, um, yeah, I've got many bottles, uh, but they'll run out eventually.
0: So it's like a, a powder you're putting into your yeah. water. So, so
1: what you do is you take out about t- ten grams, okay, and put it into like a liter of water, okay, and just sip on it slowly throughout the day. So whatever else, you need to be drinking, other things and eating, whatever you're doing, but throughout the day, so that you've a because then you'll absorb it all, right? And so you start in the morning, you, you, you make a, a deal with yourself, not to finish it until like 6 p.m., right? Um, and then, so, so from morning till 6 p.m., you drink it, you will have absorbed it all. And that's the amount of vitamin C, or it's only a vitamin to primates and guinea pigs and fruit bats, certain, certain, certain unique um, distinct species, uh, because uh, all other organisms... Plants, animals, all make ascorbates, which are vitamin C. So your dog does, your cat does, elephants do, bears do, uh, crocodiles do, uh, lizards do, snakes do. They all make it, so it's not a vitamin. They don't need to ingest it. Mm. But, tho- but nature is very economical. So those organisms in which that was part of what their diet, it already existed. They didn't need the mechanism. So we're actually just missing one enzyme in the pathway and very interesting, ascorbates are, which is vitamin C. Ascorbates are made um, from sugar. They're actually made from glucose uh, in plants, mm-hmm. uh, in animals, uh, um, uh, uh, um, I, I and mean, in animals make it from glucose, and plants make it from mannose, from a different from a different one, but Anyway, we're missing that last one enzyme. We just don't have it, so we can't make it, right?
0: We I assume we've never been
1: able to make it never, this. never, okay. never. Because it's part of our diet. So nature's economical. So for another organism, like a a dog, uh, who's getting something in their diet, their body won't have to make it, whereas we would uh mm. we would be making it because it's not part in other words, nature nature thought of everything, right? So you you don't have to um,
0: so how how were we getting it? Uh, because obviously we couldn't get it synthetically a thousand years ago. How did we well, uh, get well, get uh, the recommended daily dose of vitamin right. C back then?
1: <clears throat> right. Well, um, eating uh, eating a natural human diet, you'd be eating large amounts of uh, plant plant food, right? So if we look at our simian cousins in the jungle, like the, the chimps and the gorillas, they eat uh, ten to twenty times more fresh vegetables and fruits than us. And also understand, too, that the difference between the fruit when I was growing up and the today in terms of what it has nutrient-wise is tremendous. I mean, when I was growing up in the late 50s and early 60s, the food was, uh, it tasted completely different than it does now. And imagine, that was completely depleted from um, the two generations before, right? And, and and when they first started talking about the soil depl- mineral depletion in the soil, which affects the nutrients of the plant they were first talking about it being at dangerous levels in a report that came out in the 1920s so imagine where we are now this was pre-pesticides yeah so imagine where we are so the so the amount that we're getting in our current vegetables plants is just simply not enough uh we'd have to be eating literally eating all day so one of the reasons one of the uh One reason that one should make themselves fresh vegetable juices, not fruit juices because you don't want to concentrate the sugar, but fresh vegetable juices like celery, cucumber, kale, spinach, things like that, um, um, is uh, because you're getting, when you're removing the fiber, you're getting just the nutrients. So one liter of a fresh vegetable juice is an armful of vegetables. You could never eat that much. But mm-hmm. you're getting all the phytonutrients, minerals, and all that sort of thing. So if it's organic, this is th- this this is the only way. So by drinking lots of green juices and 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 also you know oranges and fruits and eating that all day long, you would probably get enough because considering the fact that even our organic vegetables mm-hmm. are 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 don't have the the nutri- nutrients that they used to have.
0: Is that because there's issues with the soil and mm-hmm. tilling? Mm-hmm.
1: That have led to deficiencies in B12 and vitamin B. Well, B, we, deficiencies in minerals. Minerals. Minerals and microorganisms. So yeah. the minerals and the microorganisms are what contribute to the uh, quality of the plant material, right? And,
0: and because of our deficiency in, in these uh, vitamins, minerals, uh, and, and whatnot, um, this is why our body is not optimized and in, optimized. In, in able to protect itself against these diseases or not diseases, these um, uh, let's say uh, EMFs coming in, into our, our, into our health and and causing serious health issues. Right. Right. But prior to um, let's say prior to the invention of the telephone, because that's something that, that we discussed and maybe we can touch on quickly. Uh, We discussed this before the podcast. I, I think there's an interesting correlation between uh, the release of 5G and certain diseases and the release of 4G and certain diseases and 3G and Wi-Fi and so on and again this is not this pseudo woo woo science you can actually go do the research yourself and look at when 4G came out what came out well, yeah 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 SARS okay mm-hmm. other things like this and it goes all the way back and we discussed that when was electricity fully used and the telephone mm-hmm. fully used opti- um by over 40% of Americans in 1918. Two years later, hmm. Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard that, again, for, I've explained this, I think, on this podcast before from a reputable uh, nuclear refrigeration physicist up in Chiang Mai that's from the UK that used to work for the, um, uh, the, the, um, the UK uh, Navy. He used to work on submarines off of Argentina. So the guy, he, he's got. It's not some kook that's making stuff up. Mm-hmm. All they did was point to the evidence and the facts. And that's. Uh, what What are your thoughts thoughts on that? As we release new technology into the world, how can it, it affect us uh, in ways that are leading to the these illnesses?
1: Yeah. Well, we got two pro. We got two two pronged problem. Two two f- really. Um. Together, it's like uh, a formula for, for destruction and death, and, uh, species ending stuff. And that is, uh, our nutrients have been so depleted that we don't have the ability to, we don't have the physiology, the biochemistry, and the immunity to protect ourselves the way we would have Even 200, back 200 years yeah, ago. 200 years ago, yeah. Before, before any of this stuff. But now, but now we're, we have all this excess stuff that we're exposed to that, is, um, that would require much greater amounts. So uh, we're at this point, we have to take mega, mega vitamins, doses. Uh, minerals are a big deal. And we, we can talk about minerals, but, but, but that's a very big deal. Uh, remember, the vitamins are made by the plants. Plants can do that if they have the minerals, yep. right? And so minerals are, um, so when we think of micronutrients, we think of minerals and vitamins. Okay, um, they all come through plants. When we think of the macronutrients, which are carbs, proteins, and uh, fats, they all come originate in plants. Mm-hmm. All fats originate in seeds and nuts. All carbohydrates originate from plants, and all proteins, amino acids, are are made initially. All the essential amino acids are made by plants. Animals eat them and then can 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 add can make uh, make their own. Uh, uh, additional proteins, <clears throat> Ad- additional amino acids. But um, anyway, so the only thing we can do now is to maximize our health, get the sleep, get the movement, exercise. Uh, and when we talk about movement, when I, when I talk about movement, it's not to, to sit around for six hours and then to go into a gym for two hours and, 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 and engage in crazy activity. That's just as unnatural as sitting for six hours. If we were several hundred years ago living a natural life, from morning till night we'd be moving and bending and picking things up and all that. We wouldn't be running. and
0: Well, we'd kind of be no, similar to the Amish. Right. Be moving around all day. Working on the farm, you know, trying to self,
1: be self-sustainable. And when you look at the long-lived people, the uh, Abkhazias, the Hunzas, uh, the, uh, the Hunzas, they're moving, walking around all day. It's movement. It's not. You don't have to freak out in a gym for an hour, right? That's not going to bring you health. And, and then sit uh, around for eight hours. The
0: gym is not natural movement. Right. Right. Now, yeah, if, now, if you're surfing or playing sports, okay. Yeah. Exactly. But the gym is very. It's. It, yeah. It's for a purpose of. No one. We've never done that in our entire civilization. Yeah. And that. To so that. Right. Right, like, right. Right.
1: To get healthy. Right. To yeah. get healthy is different. Surfing is probably the, one of the greatest ever you know yeah um and it, it, th- surfing also teaches you something that's very very important that humans don't do and that is it teaches you how to listen and you're listening with your body it's for
0: me what surfing does it's one of the the only things that i can do that allows me to be present exactly you have no when you're on the ocean you're the 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 eight mind cannot even chat you know why you got a five-foot wave coming at your head right. that if you're not talking to the wave mm-hmm. and being present in the moment, you're going to get smashed. Exactly, exactly. So it, I, right. that's why I enjoy yeah. surfing. It's, right. it's, very, it's, it's, all, it's my form of meditation. Exactly. It
1: is meditation. Yeah. It yeah. is. But it's 100% listening with your body, right? You can't tell the wave. which you got to be feeling it. If the wave's going this way, you're going that way. Yeah. You don't. In other words, and so that's what I talk about life, too, when I talk to my, uh, my, the people I work with, my patients. Um, we have to learn how to surf life, right? If, if yeah. it's coming up this way, you go, you go with it. You, you, you know, you go with it. Um, and don't don't resist it and all that. And when I see people that don't survive cancer, it's because they're resisting it. They're not surfing.
0: But it's very difficult as well. Like, uh, uh, let's say I'm working on the computer and whatnot. The problem in those moments, there's too many distractions. Things enter the mind. Okay, uh, you're working. Oh, I'll go make something to eat. I'll go to the bathroom. Do I really have to go to the bathroom or do I just not want to do this task? Right, right, right. right, right. Oh, I'm going to get a coffee. I'm going to get a water. Yeah, yeah. But that's my point back to surfing. You have no other options. You're stuck there. It's perfect. But um, life naturally today, it's much different than probably it was 200 years ago. If you're on the farm and you're farming, well, you got 12 hours and the sun goes down. I have to get this done. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, if I don't get this, you know, from this animal or this plant, I don't eat tonight. So you have to be present. I find today... We we lack the experience of being bored. We can well my for, for myself, and it's it's terrible. We will never be bored again. We will never my if I were to have kids, that generation will never be bored, and it's he will never know the feeling of sitting in a dentist office and waiting forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. Why? You just go to the phone, distract mm-hmm. yourself for forty five mm-hmm. minutes. When I was a kid, you go to the dentist's office and you'd pick up. Any, mag- you start playing anyway. with the children's toys. You're so bored, right? To stay distracted. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that's going to influence in the long run, but I don't know if it's a good thing either.
1: Well, no, it's not. But the The biggest, the biggest uh, loss that these video games and phones and all that do, yeah, is that they they destroy imagination. Okay, and if you remember, Einstein said imagination is more important than it's the most important part of human intelligence. And, and that is because when you're playing a video game, um, all the answers exist, all the possibilities exist. You can't. You're not creative. You need to just follow, find the rules, and follow them and beat them. Right? Be the best at their game. Okay. When I was a kid, there was nothing like that. Okay, okay. You be this ah, guy. I'll it. be this guy. Yeah. Okay. This is our Stick. gun. Stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know you 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 had to. Mm. Create make things up, your and extrapolate. Yeah. yeah. You made it, and then your imagination was like that. Now you don't. Now, with you're sitting there, you got to, okay, what are the rules? What are they doing? Okay. It's all deductive. Yeah. There's no inductive reasoning. It's mm. all deductive. And so, when you're, so you become a good, you might become a good fighter pilot or something like that, but you're not going to be creative. You're not going to be able, you're not going to come up with, um, um, yes. so, and, and so, and so the people that do make that, the people that do, um, are, are the musicians, are the musicians in our world. The musicians and the artists, because they are outside of that. They, uh, and usually they're not, they're usually, like not always, but they're usually not that into um, uh, all the stuff that we're, that, that, that technology, like they, and yeah, they're not good at school. Yeah. You know. So my son uh, told me, um, like 15, I don't want to go to school. He didn't like it. And uh, he didn't need it. He's doing great. He's a, he's a amazing musician, singer, songwriter, living in Japan. And, uh, you know, and for him, music is his meditation, you know. Um, so, um, yeah. And what is music? Music is
0: now. And it's also vibration frequency as well. Right, music, right.
1: Right. But it's like you said, you're present. You're, yeah, you you're have present. to be in the moment. Yeah. You're in the moment. Yeah. You know, the goal of a song is not to get to the last chord. Mm. Right? Just like dancing. You don't dance to wind up at a specific spot on the floor. The dance is the dance. The dance
0: is the reason to dance. Yeah, that's and music- very. That, uh, I can go into that for for a, a little bit, but I know. We'll, we'll, I think we. Yeah, gotta j- run. Yeah, he's gotta run. We. Well, he's a little strapped on time, but I'll finish on that point. Um, uh, your your process on understanding, um, uh, music and dance, and there's no end goal. I I think end goal. It's a very masculine mentality that's been created, uh, by the earth, but the earth. When you think about it we call it mother earth mm-hmm. it's expanding it's growing the universe is expanding and growing and as we know it there is no beginning and there's no end mm-hmm. from the science we have mm-hmm. but for some reason the masculine mentality on human earth we need an end goal mm-hmm. who won the game what's mm-hmm. the score yeah, yeah. did you read the end of the book yeah, yeah. when does this podcast end exactly we need closure but i think when you're riding the wave the wave of life and again music whatever you're applying it to on the art side Stop thinking about closure. Stop thinking about the end. Enjoy the journey.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, exactly. okay. On that note, we'll we'll. well there's oh, there's so much we missed. We'll try to get back to it, but we've probably been doing this three hours. Yeah. Um. So this is your camera here um every well again thanks for coming on but everything that you want to plug how people can find you uh if you're looking for people to find you your youtube channel uh your instagram and if you're not even sure what that that is we can we can plug it as well here like in a type of uh
1: yeah i'm not sure but i know it's i know instagram and facebook i think at dr thomas Lodi. i think
0: you can pretty much, you can, you can, everyone can find you online by just typing in Tom, Dr. Thomas Lodi, right. LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, do you, you remember you your Instagram handle or no? At, at, I'll, I'll at, double check. At Dr. Thomas Lodi. Thomas Lodi. It is Dr. Uh, Dr. Thomas Lodi on Instagram. Um, it's an amazing content, so you can check that out. And also on YouTube, it is just uh, Dr. Thomas Lodi. Uh, tons of information, a lot of stuff on there that we couldn't talk about on there. So check that out. Um, again, thanks for joining us today. We are Fruiting Body Mushrooms. We are a medicinal mushroom supplement company.